Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacey Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. There is nothing left. Any direction you walk, all you find is more destruction. Thousands of angry Somalis and heavily armed gunmen were locked in an intense battle with the Americans. We were caught in an ambush with his troops along the frontier. So it was a policy of total annihilation. Do you think they will attack you before you attack them? How many shipwrecks do you think are down there? You've been described as the, the greatest American rock band. Is that how you feel? Are you among the last people on earth to speak this language? And if you look at the U.S., what are you most worried about here? traditional Yakuza turf. They run everything here, from the girls to the sex to the drugs. Do you care if the species goes extinct? Does that oh, mean yes, you think I you? Do. Why do you want to kill them? Derek and Beverly took us deep into the delta to see the lions. What is it like to be charged by a lion? <laughs> is that what a mother chimp would do? No. <laughs> <laughs> Only Mama Jane. <laughs> Coney rules by fear and claims he has mystical powers, a formidable combination in the minds of the children he kidnaps. You were part of an army mm. that taught children to kill, where young girls were raped. All these people who are doing atrocities do it under constant instruction. Including you? Yes. The most obvious thing when you look at these walls is that it's all men up there as the past directors. And you went from zero to prime minister from <laughs> in about eight years. So were you high? Were you using Oh, yeah. Oh, I was. And that's why you fell. I was. <laughs> but the bed would be right there in the middle. Yeah. And you'd all sleep in one bed? We'd all sleep in one bed. Happy memories? The best. What happened to a lot of the other kids that were on the streets with you? Um... Well, unfortunately, you know, a lot of my friends are either dead or in jail. What kind of soldier are you? I'm average. I'm mediocre. This is the single greatest honor that the military can bestow on its own. And it comes right from the president of the United States himself. That's pretty good for a mediocre soldier. Think how good the great soldiers are. and warlords and average citizens and most every place in the world that a lot of us could only dream of or we've only mm -hmm. seen in pictures or National Geographic. Yeah, She's, for the love of God. <laughs> you were doing so well. I'm your daughter. Fired. Laura Logan has been in some of the places most of us have only seen a National Geographic magazine. She's met with presidents and queens and warlords and Celebrities and, and every average, average, average citizens. 
The thing I like to talk about oftentimes is the thing behind the thing. We're all aware of McDonald's selling cheeseburgers, but um, you don't realize McDonald's is also that makes most of their money from real estate. There's always something behind the thing that you're looking at. But most of us have never had the opportunity to be on both sides of the curtain Mm -hmm. to see what's presented and to see what's going on behind it. Why is it being presented? Why is it positioned that way? I think we're all in for a great treat today to have a conversation with Laura Logan. Yay! Welcome <laughs> Thank in you. our home again. Welcome back. I, the service is pretty good here. Well, we sure love you. <laughs> Thank you for coming to the the top of the space needle here for the, the the Flyover Conservatives Empire. You've been in all these places, and now you're here with us. I like what you've done with the place. <laughs> yes, it's a little this, different. Yeah, the studio's good. Thank you, Laura. You've had some of the best days anybody could ever have, and you've had some of the worst days that anybody could ever have, and and you've you've reported on some of the best days people have had. You've reported and documented some of the worst days, the worst things that people have ever seen, things that maybe people only hear about maybe in the Bible you think are relegated to that era. But these things are happening now. You've 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 seen it all. And the, the thing I'd like to ask you first, we start kind of set a, a context for this, is uh, is identity. You know, um, sometimes you see an NFL player get drafted and, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so much so fast. They didn't know what they were about before the lights came on. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know how in the world somebody could ever prepare themselves for the amount of lights that have been on you, the number of eyeballs that have seen you, Emmy Awards, 60 Minutes, and and you've sort of been there and done that. But what did you do to prepare yourself for that in advance, and how intentional was that? Because the identity of who you are really needs to be set up before the world starts telling you who you are. And there's a lot of people that, that think they know who Laura Logan is, but... You had to work that out in advance. You know, it's an interesting question because I would get, especially when I was at 60 Minutes, I get a lot of people coming to me, you know, can you help my daughter? Can you help my son, my niece, and so on, whatever, right? They need, they want a job and they want to do what you do. And the first question that I would ask them was always the same, and it took them by surprise. I said, well, who are you? Mm-hmm. Because you need, what I, you know, the people that are going to be on my team People I'm going to work with, you need to know who you are. Right. Because uh, when you are faced with difficult ethical decisions or security decisions or editorial yeah. decisions mm-hmm. and so on and so on, what guides you in making those decisions? I tell you what, it wasn't the CBS Standards book, which was this thick and you had to sign a paper every year that said you'd read it. Because I took delight in just sometimes putting that in, uh, in water dumping it in the bin, trying to set Burning fire it. to it. Yeah, doing all kinds of things to it, right? And never reading it because I figured you have to be guided by principles. Yeah. You have to be guided by integrity. And nobody can codify, I mean, well, you can codify that, but they don't, mm-hmm. right? That's not what's in the CBS st- rules, you know, standards uh, booklet. So um, I would say it's the opposite of what you just stated, David. You said, you know, you've seen it all. You've done it all. Actually, um, my mother used to say, the older I get, the less I know. Mm-hmm. So the more I've seen, the greater my understanding that I've seen very little. Mm. Really, it's the, when you're young, you think you know everything. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. The other thing she used to say is, who died and made you the oracle and the miracle? It must be wonderful. Wow. <laughs> right? Because when you're young, you think you know sure. everything. And you don't really understand. And things are very simple to you because mm-hmm. you think, well, I would never do that. And you get older, you go through life and you realize, oh, wow, like I did that. Mm. 
I don't, that's not good. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to fix that, right? I never thought I would be in this position. Who's ever reached there? And that's when you start to understand there, but for the grace of God, go I, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're young, you stand in judgment. You're so quick to rush to judgment. And then you're like, oh, yeah, well, now I get it, Mm -hmm. right? Doesn't make it right, but now I get how good people get themselves into a bad position or, you know, Mm. or whatever. So uh, what, what I where I think that I've been profoundly fortunate is that I was born, first of all, I was loved from the moment I was born. Mm. A lot of people who don't know who they are uh, have never been loved. Mm-hmm. Now that I have also met extraordinary people who've, who've not been loved like the way that I was and have a profound sense of who they are. And they take my breath away, mm-hmm. right? And they're not, it's not just famous people. That's often ordinary people. Sometimes they're famous, but very often they're not. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that I have always known who I am. Always. I knew that from the time I was born. My earliest memories are of the pain I felt when I witnessed or heard about injustice. Mm. So I've always known that injustice was a, a driver for me. And you can see that throughout my career. The compassion that I've had in the work that I've done is not any different from the compassion that I've exhibited in my personal life. The other thing is, I'm not a coward. And that means also a moral coward, Mm -hmm. right? It's not just about going onto the battlefield. It's about facing up to your own uh, mistakes and limitations and weaknesses and, you know, whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would like to say to you that that's because I'm just, I'm a really great, well-developed person. But the truth is I was born that way. I've, I've, it was never an option for me to be something other than that because it was always in my DNA. So that's really, mm-hmm. and then the, the third thing that I have that I see other people struggling with a lot of the time is that I always knew what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. I always knew why I was here. And what do you discover at college and you know, especially after high yeah. school? Right. You you find all these kids that are, they try to take this, they drop that. You know, people change careers all mm-hmm. the time. Like in journalism, a lot of people in journalism didn't study it. They came from other careers because they just, you know, oh, wait, you two. <laughs> Look who I'm talking to. <laughs> yep. Okay. But I knew from the very, very beginning why I was here and what I was meant to do. And I really only had one moment briefly working for, uh, when I was working for CNN and left to go and work for an NGO and do humanitarian work. And that's when I realized, oh yeah, no, no, this is a mistake. And I was meant to do that Mm -hmm. other thing I was doing. And I went back to journalism very, very quickly. In fact, I never left it because I kept writing. I kept, um, I I maintained my uh, work as a journalist, even when Mm -hmm. I was working for um, an NGO. So I, I think those are the things, but you really are 100% correct. That guiding force throughout my work, mm. throughout my life, has been having a very clear sense of who I am. Because those ethical decisions that we get um, presented with along the way, they are rarely complicated for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that I will never put a story above my personal integrity. Mm. I know that when somebody even if it's a story I really want and I'm under a lot of pressure to deliver that, like at 60 minutes, that was a lot of pressure. Sure. But I would never lie to someone. And if they uh, said to me, sometimes if, you know, I had a father, um, I had a father say this to me once, his son had died from sudden adult death syndrome. Mm. And I was working for British television and he said to me, what, what good will this do me? Will it bring my son back? 
And I'm like, no. And he said, will it ease my pain? And I'm like, no. He said, is it really going to change anything? And I said, probably not. And he said, well, then I'm not doing the interview. And I said, you know what? If I were you, I wouldn't do it either. Mm. And, wow. and I didn't get I didn't get the interview. I didn't get that for the story. But as I always remind people, I'm going to move on to the next story. You're going to live with this forever. Yep. This is your life. Mm-hmm. And so you have a right mm-hmm. to have some say over how that goes. There's a degree of trust and risk that goes into it because you're not in control of the final product. Yeah. You know, we sure. are, but, um, but you know, you want to stop and say, I misspoke. That wasn't what I meant. I don't know why I said that. I didn't mean that. You have the right to do that mm-hmm. because you're the one who, who has to live with this for the rest of your life. And so I've always believed that I, I've never been a person that puts the story above anything else. And I'm also a person that will never, ever, if you are going to be a real asshole at work mm-hmm. and um, and not have integrity and cheat and lie mm-hmm. and do whatever, you can't say to yourself, I'm a really good person. That's at work. You right. Know, that's what's required. Right. Succeed in this mm-hmm. industry. Right. I've always been very clear with my team. Never lie to anybody. Don't come under false pretenses. Sure, you don't have to tell some dirty lawyer that, you know, uh, this is the only thing you want to talk about and you're not prepared to listen to anything else. We would never do that anyway, Mm -hmm. right? So it can be lower down in the list of things that you want to discuss. It's not, you know, I'm not trying to close every door that exists. But at the same time, it is profoundly important to never misrepresent yourself, never bear a false witness. Mm. And I I mean, I, I think that's obvious in my work at this point. No doubt about it. As I was watching your sizzle reel and just looking at all the places that you've been and all the interviews that you've done, um, the question that just kept going through my mind is, has this affected, because you are a wife and you're a mom, has it affected you at all in the way that you raise your kids or the way that um, you interact with your husband? Or has that changed or affected <laughs> that at all? It's War of the Roses at my house, okay? So, <laughs> um, I think, you know, for, okay, this is a true story. Okay. My daughter, my youngest daughter and I, we would always, she always wanted mom to put her to bed. And so I spent many, many years lying with her at night. And this is really special time for us, as mm-hmm. a lot of moms know, right? It's the end of the day. It's when they tell you everything yeah. and... Um, and I used to tell her bedtime stories, but I have to be one of the few mothers that whose bedtime stories could go <laughs> in direction. places nobody could imagine. Some central African warlord. Yeah, some, sometimes we're talking about mass genocide. Sometimes we're talking oh. about beheadings. Wow. Sometimes we're talking about you know firefights and bombs. Sometimes we're talking about rock stars. I mean, you know, my daughter can pretty oh, wow. much handle wow. anything. Yes. And okay, here's another funny story. So I was uh, four and a half months pregnant when I was in Helmand um, with the Marines when they were fighting to take Helmand province back from the Taliban. So they had been, the British had uh, been running, that was their area of operations in Afghanistan. They had made a lot of deals with the Taliban. They thought they were so superior because they knew counterinsurgency. It was all a con. Of course, the Taliban was just using that as operational pauses. So when we went in there, it was a it was a bloodbath, right? Wow. And um, in fact, the highest casualties sustained in any one unit were in Sangin, uh, in the Helmand River Valley. Wow. And so the, the whole place was mined. And we were going, so, I mean, one operation we did was in a sewage canal. We walked in the sewage canals all the time because the roads were uh, were unsafe. They mm-hmm. lost so many uh, Marines and 
soldiers there. And so we would always, I would tell my kids all these stories about, you know, hitting the deck in the open ground, the Taliban opens fire and my pants rip and my butt cheeks hanging out. And, you know, I had lots of stories about this. About And I used to tell my daughter, you're so tough because you fought the Taliban before you were even born. Wow. You know, and then, and my son would hear these stories and he's just a year older than her. And then one day he said, mom, he said, did I fight the Taliban before uh-huh. I was born? And I said, no, sweetheart, you did not. And his big blue eyes sort of welled with tears. And they just started to trickle down his face because he was like, and I said, but sweetheart, no. I said, don't cry. I said, that's okay. I said, you know why? And he said, no. I said, because you fought Al-Qaeda. Oh. And then I told him the stories of being eight and a half months, nine months pregnant. Wow. In the mountains of oh. Afghanistan. Wow. Uh, right on the Pakistani border at 10,000 feet at a tiny wow. forward operating base with body armor of my big old belly. And I showed him photographs and he and he's like, Hi, so this is me walking up to an IED that, you know, the engineers were trying to defuse and we had just found and I'm with the commander and it's a few feet from me. And my son's like, mom, what were you thinking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put my life yeah. in danger like that. And I was like, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot because I, that was my first baby. And I thought, I don't have to change. Wow. I'm a strong, independent yeah. woman, right? This isn't going to change me. Are you an idiot? <laughs> of course it's going to change you. Everything's going to change. And on, this is why I used to get invited to do a lot of women's events. And they never invited me back. Because I would say things to these girls like, you might not want to go back to work. Mm-hmm. You might want to be a stay-at-home mom. Right. You might discover that nothing you've ever done in your entire life means anything uh, to you mm-hmm. compared to being a mom. Yep. And so if you feel that way, you just have to know it's okay. Now, if you do want to go back to work, that's also okay. I'm not telling you how to live your life, that one thing is better than the other. But, sure. but we were lied to. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I'm 52 years old. And when I was coming up, it was all, it was all hoorah, Henry, you know, women can do anything and, you know, and you don't pay any price and you mm-hmm. can do anything. You can be a mom and a working mom and all the rest of it. But what they don't tell you is that your children will pay a price for that. Now they gain as well. Sure. So everybody's got to make their own decision. How much are you losing? How much are you gaining? Mm-hmm. Right. But they, but they they didn't tell us it was okay mm-hmm. to stay home. They That's they took they tried to take point. that it's away true. from us. Yep. You know, and I worked with a lot of women around my age and a little bit older who never got married and never had kids because they were very much of those generations where that was looked down upon. By the time it got around to me, it was sort of swinging a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And there were enough people that knew it where I could say in the office, you know what, or you know, at sixty minutes, I could say. Um, like I have to take a later flight because my two-year-old is sick as a dog and he won't let go of his mother. Mm -hmm. They didn't love it. They didn't love it. But my boss, Jeff Fager, understood. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't do it too much, but you imagine a short five years before that, saying that kind of thing. (gasps) No way, right? 10 years before that. So so we had a little bit of wiggle room, right? Which which, uh, really opened the door for me to tell people, honestly, that um, you do lose something from not having the mother in the home. Mm-hmm. You do. Yep. Now, maybe you can make up for it. If you have a great house husband, my husband is not a house husband. He's mm-hmm. a warrior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he, that's yep. that's who he is to his core. And so, it's W-A-R, like warrior, not 
not a worrier. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not it, a worrier. A worrier. I'll make sure if, if Are you you're, making fun of my accent, well, David? Is this for like Are you? My, my fellow Stacey, kinsmen did you hear that? here in, <laughs> did you in Missouri? Yeah, I do. And, and also know your husband. I'll make sure he's put in the proper light because he <laughs> is a warrior. He's yeah. a real. He's the real deal. Yes, a veteran, many years yeah. in clan. Uh, well, yeah, in clandestine operations and special operations and so on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the. the Sometimes it's almost accidental, the impact we have on our children and what they remember, you know, yeah. us with our, mm-hmm. our parents and things as well. You're the first person in your family to be a college graduate, but no, not, is that not is that No, true? my sister and my brother were college graduates before me, but we're but the first generation. First generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but from the th- stories I've heard you tell and reference, like your, your, your parents were very successful and driven and had a, a lot of street smarts. My mother mm-hmm. never finished high school. Very, they're very mm-hmm. clever and understood mm-hmm people and their motives and angles and and mm-hmm. and there's a lot of little wisdom things you you share from your mom like yeah. as she said I, i've heard you, you quote like um a, a lie has no legs yes mm-hmm. you know and these kind mm-hmm. of just these wise things that you, mm-hmm. you just sort of picked up but man boy is that is that a usable tool in your belt All the time. where you ended up mm-hmm. every day of my life mm-hmm. every day of my life something that i learned from my mother and you know what's so great is i also have come to see where much of those things come from. And they go back, not just one generation or two generations, they go back to the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. Like my mother used to say, as old as Methuselah. And that's a saying that I use, my sister uses, you know. And one day I was reading Genesis and I was reading about the children of Noah. And lo and behold. He's 969 years old. Exactly. Methuselah was the oldest. Yep. That's that's right. So that literally comes from, from the, the Bible, Bible. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so and so what you what that helped me understand is that principles have never changed. Mm-hmm. They've been the same from the beginning of time. That's why the Spartans could fight for freedom and we're still fighting for freedom. Mm-hmm. And that's what I teach my kids so that they know and understand, right? Mm-hmm. That you can't pick up you can't pick them up and drop them whenever you want to. As my friend Jules said to me once, principles are just bumper stickers if you don't stand up for them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right? And what use is a bumper sticker? Yeah. yeah. Just peel it off. It's, it's right. And, and, and we're sort of in a, in a, in yep. a world of like a, a Facebook meme can like sum up an entire complex yeah. you know, mm-hmm. subject. And you grew up in the most complex of issues. Everybody, you know, every college student looks back and, well, if I was alive during the Civil War, I would have been a, you know, abolitionist. You know, like everybody yeah. looks back mm-hmm. and they would have been, everybody would have been Bonhoeffer. Yeah, you know every you know, yeah. and, and and sure they would have, yeah, right. yeah, uh-huh. and probably not. Otherwise, there probably would have been a thousand Bonhoeffers, <laughs> you know. And that's not that's not how it works. It, no, and the, the reality of life is very complex, and the reality of the world that you grew up in was complex. You know, mm-hmm. America's grappling with racial issues and BLM and this and that and these things, but like you, so David, you want to know the thing behind what you just said? Yeah, yeah, because you told me you want to know the thing. The yeah. thing behind the thing. Yes, the thing behind the thing is this: it's not that complex. That is an information warfare tactic, getting you to think it's so complicated you couldn't possibly know the truth. But don't worry, Stacey, dear. Mm -hmm. We know because we're much cleverer than you and we've got it Mm. all figured Mm -hmm. out. And so you don't worry your pretty little head over it. You over there in flyover country? Yeah, no, we got this. And I I say that, David, because it's, it's so profoundly important for people not to be deceived and to have this idea, we mistake, and, and I think this is also on purpose, um, a lack of familiarity and knowledge and understanding of a specific subject with a lack of the ability 
to understand it. Wow, mm. that's true. And what we get, what we shove down people's throats all the time is, uh, I would hear this constantly when I was at 60 Minutes in CBS. Oh, the audience is too stupid. Oh, we've got to dumb it down for the audience, right? This idea is a very destructive idea. It goes to mm-hmm. the heart of the elite mentality that says, we the people, oh, you mean the great unwashed masses. Mm. This idea that you actually get to choose your leaders no, mm-hmm. no, that's something we tell you so that you behave, mm-hmm. but we don't really mean it. That's what happened in 2016. And and so you, you're right that, you know, you can make it complicated. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, you look at the schism between Sunni and Shia in the Middle East. And, in, you know, in Syria, is you have the complication of the Alawites and, and the Druze. And, the, and you can make it seem incredibly complicated. And that's called ambiguity increasing because you're throwing all these things into it and we can't see the truth. But the truth is so, so simple. Thou shalt not kill. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt not lie, which you have brought up <laughs> earlier as such an important foundation for you. It, it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. And anytime you, you get people pushing this concept to you of complexity, it's so complicated, we couldn't possibly understand. What could be simpler then the people are tired of representing people who don't really represent them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're tired of it. Mm-hmm. That's a very simple thing. Yeah. You can you can be one of these people that knows every swing state and what needs to happen, what the Democrats their demographics are, and who won it and who lost it and who's at play and all of that. Mm-hmm. But what this election is about, what the last election was about, mm-hmm. and the one before that in 2016 was the people rising up, exercising their constitutional rights, their God-given rights Mm -hmm. to sovereignty and to have a voice. And when they did, the elites turned around and said, we didn't mean it. You're too uh, stupid to make your own decisions. You don't understand. It's too complicated Mm -hmm. and you don't get it. And by the way, you're really not good people. So uh, we actually, not only do we think that you shouldn't really be able to vote, but we also think that you shouldn't be able to breathe. Mm -hmm. And actually, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, like those great unvaccinated people, you don't deserve medical treatment. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. And oh, you're, you're a Trump supporter. You can go mm-hmm. to jail. Forget the Constitution. Forget the rule of law. Forget, you know, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Don't worry about any of that. Right. Yep. Because you have no right to exist. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there's nothing simpler than recognizing that that is tyranny. It's the opposite of freedom. Mm-hmm. It's dark. Yep. It's not that complicated. Is it? No, it's not. As I'm listening to you and, you know, I mean, I, I, we've had several conversations, but as you are kind of going through these things, I look at you, I, I feel that you're fearless. Um, where does your faith fall in all of this? You know, like when you look at things, does it run through the filter of your faith? And what does that look like? And we will be right back with Laura. There is definitely an invasion at our border. It is a presidential election year, and who knows what's going to happen with supply chains. Now, here at the Flyover family, we absolutely love meat, and so we can't even imagine. It's essential. Yeah, we can't even imagine (laughs) the possibility of no meat. So we have partnered with a company called flyovermeat.com, and it is amazing. They actually have um, freeze-dried meat. That might sound kind of crazy, but there's no mRNA in it. 
It's 10 plus years. It can be on your shelf. They know from the time that the animal is born to the time that the animal is slaughtered, what's going on with that animal. Never, ever, ever has anything touched it that you don't want to have in your body. And so we are really excited to have the opportunity to be able to partner with them and to be able to share it with the flyover family. Lots of different cuts, lots of different ways to do it. And it's so good that you don't have to wait 10 years. You don't have to wait till there's a crisis. You know, what if you have limited freezer space and you just want to be able to have a protein source around that you can store without using up all your freezer space? So lots of options here. But if you have people that depend on you, if you have parents that live with you, if you have children that that depend on you, if you have grandchildren that depend on you, this is a way that you can just kind of set up in your mind you know, how many calories, how many days, how many weeks you want to do, one week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, and work your way up to where you can go to bed at night and say, hey, no matter what mm-hmm. happens, I know that I can take care of the people that depend on me and continue to have a protein source mixed in with other things you might be doing to prep uh, no matter what. That's exactly right. So Flyover family, go to flyovermeat.com. Use promo code FLYOVER. We'll jump back into the conversation now with Laura Logan. Yes, it does. Everything runs through your faith because these principles, the guiding principles, okay, for all those people out there who are not Christian, they don't follow God or they're you know agnostic or atheist or mm-hmm. whatever, or they just don't want to hear about you know uh, Christianity or religion. Mm-hmm. This is what I can tell you is those fundamental principles, if you're trying to be a good person, if you strive to be a good person, you you strive to act out of love and not out of anger. You try to be kind. You try to respect other people. Mm-hmm. try to be honest in your relationships and your business dealings. You are you are walking in the footsteps of God. yep. You've chosen God, whether you know that you chose God or not. Mm-hmm. And so for much of my mm-hmm. life, I, like a lot of people, thought that it was me. I was doing this. I was doing this on my own. I believed in God, but I was angry with God. I felt I saw the suffering and injustice in the world and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Nobody could explain it to me. Christians were often nauseating. Why are you trying to shove your views down my throat? You know, I didn't want to deal with the whole religious thing. Mm-hmm. But then I realized over time that, well, first of all, I always had angels with me. Um, and I <laughs> clearly you're still alive. Yeah, no, no doubt about <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> right? I had God looking over me, and then I realized You're very tired, gray hair, uh, <laughs> lost a few feathers along the angels. way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my angels are exhausted. Yeah. My brother once said when I eloped the first time I got married, he said, "Did anyone tell this poor dude that?" Life with her is like being handcuffed to a hurricane. <laughs> My family loved that. But, um, well, what I realized is that all along the way, God presented me with choices and left it up to me mm-hmm. to choose whether I would follow him or not before I even knew that I was following him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all these pieces of my life, they were put there so that I could understand like the time I spent in in the battlefields in places like Angola and Mozambique countries in Africa that half the audience hasn't even heard of, or Mm -hmm. or if they have, they don't know very much about them, but I was there with, with the tribes. And so um, there were, you know, many African tribes. I grew up in South Africa. We have 19 official languages, goodness knows how many tribes. And so then I get to Iraq and Afghanistan and, and American soldiers are talking to me and they're like, these people, they're not patriotic. They don't care about their country. And I'm like, why would you say that? And they were like, well, because every time they keep choosing the tribe over their country. And I'm like, dude, okay, it doesn't work like that here. Mm-hmm. There's no conflict between tribe and country. You're supposed to be 100% loyal to both. 
Mm-hmm. Like, that's not. That doesn't mean that just because I'm tribal as an Afghan doesn't mean that I'm not a proud Afghan. Mm-hmm. Whereas for mm-hmm. Americans, that's not part of the DNA. So, right. but I grew up around tribes. Yeah. yeah, and I I knew. So when I get to Washington D.C. and I got to listen to these awful people from the think tanks, which are by the way just a front for every uh, foreign spy. Uh, you know, entering America and rubbing shoulders in academia and with politicians mm-hmm. and, you know, with great corporate interests. That's what a lot of these think tanks are, not sure. all of them, but they're, they're complete, they're rife with spies, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm, uh, when I hear these kind of people say to me, well, you know, this is what needs to happen in Iraq, right? That it needs to separate because it doesn't have a real national identity. And same thing about Afghanistan. I'm like, Okay, shit for brains. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse my French, but yeah. how stupid do you think right. I am? I spent five years in Baghdad, or I've been to almost every province in Afghanistan. And wow. and that is not true at all. There's a profoundly strong sense of national identity. But why in, in Afghanistan, they want to be like America. The states want to be their own separate entities. Mm-hmm. They're tied together, unified by, by a national identity, but they don't want... They don't want the the center telling them, the feds telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. if, if an Afghan wants that, they're n- they don't believe in their country. If an American wants that, it used to be okay. Mm-hmm. It used to be a good thing. Yep. Now, of course, it's, it's domestic terrorism. Yeah. Right. It's Use true. this word e- e- elites quite a bit. Now, people reference the elites because, um, which is a funny title anyway, because it's sort of self uh, uh, given. But most people have not walked the halls with a Justin Trudeau and you know. Uh, the head of the IMF and actually actually eaten with them and spent times with with this group but there there there's this overwhelming feeling for the majority of people that I actually know you know like in real life it's a this irritation of there's this this mystical group of people that sort of shadowy some you know cuz you voted for them or somebody did and some of them are mostly non-elected as well that that are in these little groups and they go to Davos and they they mm-hmm. meet and they sort of plan what this, you know, like they're the farmers in the, in the house and the work, work cattle in the field mm-hmm. and um, sort of making decisions to sort of protect us from our own ignorance and to make plans for the world. But we're just sort of a, a necessary worker bees out there mm-hmm. that sort of make their existence possible. And a lot of people have this feeling, you know, very, very, you know, almost animal farm kind of, of, of vibe, but you know them, you've, mm-hmm. you've interviewed them. You've asked them questions that make them stop in their tracks are we really in a position today where there's 300, 3000, I don't know, whatever people in a club that are sort of running things. And, <laughs> and uh, the rest of us are just sort of walking around like, ah, oh, you know, waiting for Friday and have a beer and watch Netflix. Is that, is, is, is that kind of where the world is? Yes, that mm-hmm. is kind of, not kind of, that is where the world is. And if you look back throughout history, it's always been that way. The same uh, people that were uh, that pushed through the 1913 Federal Reserve Act, mm-hmm. right? Their descendants are the same people manipulating things today. I mean, you want to really light up the internet? Just point out that Karl Marx was hired by the Rothschilds to uh, write a doctrine of social control, and he came up with socialism, mm-hmm. right? Okay, here's mm-hmm. one that they'll make them even nuttier. Uh, the Rothschilds also hired Charles Darwin to write. Uh, Darwinism, mm. right? It's the same people. Look at 14 Downing Street. Look at the Dutch East India Tea Company. Go back and look at that history. I mean, it's the people who control the trade routes. What are you controlling? Well, one, food. 
mm-hmm. and to money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yep. if you control, if you know, there's famous people who've said, if you control the food supply, you control the world, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's as true today as it was before. That feeds into the conversation sure. about principles, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, when you look at it, it is right in front of your eyes. I mean, they used to pretend it was just about, you know, sustainable development and ending world hunger and, you know, poverty and blah, 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 and rights for women. Great branding. We know that's a lie, Mm -hmm. right? Because now when they they say that, but it's a bit hollow because you you abandoned all those women in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. So it's about, oh, sustainable development, but not for the women of Afghanistan or for that matter, um, any Afghan citizen who doesn't believe in terrorism because mm-hmm. you gave the country to terrorists. In mm-hmm. fact, the same terrorists responsible for 9-11 and people jump up and down and say, oh, that wasn't, that was Al-Qaeda. You know nothing. You know nothing about who you're dealing with. Um, the Anas Haqqani was the head of the Afghan Al-Qaeda is now sitting in the palace ruling Afghanistan, helping to rule Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. He's you know, one of the mm-hmm. senior members of the government. And, and this is a man that Americans died trying to uh, break his network, mm-hmm. right? And and go after him. Mm-hmm. And not a few, a lot of Americans died, but you gave these people power. So obviously you don't mean what you say. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is being exposed more and more and more. And part of that is because they're being counted. And part mm-hmm. of it is because people are seeing them for who they truly are. 10 years ago, if I said the entire climate thing is a scam and it's nonsense, I would have been lynched. Right mm-hmm. oh, now, yeah. people now there's there's a plethora of scientists out there saying this is nonsense. Every every climate model is a lie, mm-hmm. and um and there's powerful, really credible, well recognized scientists who are saying there's one man made instance. You know the one one reliable instance of man made carbon dioxide destroying uh, the planet. This is completely made up, and why are they uh? Why are they looking at it now? Because there's a sense of urgency all across Europe, in Holland and mm-hmm. in Poland and in Germany. Yeah. They're taking away farmers' subsidies. Yep. They're taking France. away farmers' land. They're talking about taking away their animals. They're talking about doing it here in the United States. Mm-hmm. The sure. Biden administration just paused all permits for the export of uh, liquid natural gas. Yeah. You are now you are now implementing your psychotic, fake climate mm-hmm. agenda, yep. which is designed not to save the planet, but to get rid of all those useless people in humanity mm-hmm. that you think um, have nothing to offer, the great unwashed masses yeah. who you do not believe you serve. Because mm-hmm. remember, the entire concept of government, as per the founding fathers and the Constitution, is that government is there to serve the people. Mm-hmm. And those who are elected work for us. Mm-hmm. That Correct. is not the situation we're in today, where the federal government is trying to say, if you don't go along with every single thing that we do, whether we violate the Constitution or not, we're going to make you a domestic terrorist and lock you up. Does this have anything to do with globalism? It's, it is globalism. Mm-hmm. That's This is how the globalists want to control and maintain the world. Yeah. This is comes from them. Mm-hmm. This is not stuff that I'm, it's not Laura Logan saying it. Right. Listen to what Yuval Noah Harari is saying. I know you've played him a lot on your show. Mm-hmm. Scientific advisor to the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, Israeli history professor, author of the books, Sapiens and Homo Deus yeah. and so on. And the best-selling right? authors in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's still, I mean, NBC just did a big uh, sycophantic profile right. of him. All Again, the, all the mm-hmm. late night shows have him on. Mm-hmm. He's a hero. He's a, he's, yeah. you know, and this guy's a literal genocidal mm-hmm. maniac psychopath. 
Mm-hmm. Right, that he's an actual psychopath. He talks about getting rid of millions and millions of people. Yep. Well, anything you think there's too much of, Tucker Carlson mm-hmm. put a good the other night. He's, he made a, a quote. He goes, anything I think there's too much of. If I if, if I have an infestation, if there's too many cockroaches, I'm going to destroy them. Mm-hmm. If I think there's if there's mice in my kitchen, I'm going to eliminate them. Mm-hmm. Anything you think there's too much of, or is a nuisance, you're going to eliminate. And of course, these people, they've said it. You know, Yuval Noah Harari says it. We're on the verge of ascending uh, to to be gods. Mm-hmm. George Soros says, I have a God complex. Look that up. He said that in multiple different yeah. interviews. These people want to be gods. And so to them, humanity is cockroaches. Mm-hmm. We then, are cockroaches, all of us. And then saying, you know, what are we going to do with these useless eaters? You know, get them on drugs. And video games. Yes. Yuval Noorari says it repeatedly. Yep. Drugs and video games. So then is it any coincidence? Is it any is it just by chance that the border is wide open and the cartels are flooding America with more lethal narcotics than any other time in in the history of this country? Right? Is that mm-hmm. just coincidence that you're making a hardcore narcotics available um in every home, every town, every street in America? More Americans are dying from uh, overdoses, from lethal, mm. uh, illegal drugs than at any other time in recorded history. Mm. And what do you hear? Remember the time under Obama when opioids, 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 you couldn't turn around yep. without hearing about opioids. Remember mm-hmm. the talk about oh, yeah. the meth labs yep. in, in flyover country, mm-hmm. right? You hear about this over and over again. Why now? There's more Americans dying of drug overdoses than at any other time in the history of this country. And you hear nothing. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Soros's of this world, the Open Society and the Knight Foundation, the Kellogg Foundation and Tides yeah. Foundation mm-hmm. and all of these people that are basically, you know, think that they should be ruling the world. They are pushing for the legalization of all narcotics. They go after yeah. parents like the parents of, of kids who've died of fentanyl, mm-hmm. who want the drug dealers to be prosecuted and so on. They're, they're pouring money. In academia, in the colleges and everything, they're, they're writing papers and doing fake studies and showing why that is you should – oh, don't touch the drug dealer. Oh, because then they'll be too scared to come forward. Oh, yeah, because you have so many drug dealers that oh, are what? just rushing to do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Break. It's Give true. Break. These people want – they want you to be an addict because mm-hmm. addiction prevents you from being a, a, a fully – functioning member mm-hmm. of society. It destroys families. It destroys communities. You don't run for office. You don't write letters to your Congress. You don't join the army, mm-hmm. right? You don't do, you don't participate in society. And the Chinese know this. They That's why they began the whole fentanyl invasion mm-hmm. of the country. So it, historically people felt this like national, okay, United States versus Russia. You turn on, you couldn't wait for the Olympics. You'd watch mm-hmm. a sport you couldn't care about because it's us against another country, mm-hmm. you know, and, and every every nation, you know, the Jamaicans would love when they're running and everybody like you, you, this, these, like I'm a part of this nation. Yeah. Um, but then when you look around and you have a guy like uh, Klaus Schwab brag about every, you know, every, not just Justin Trudeau, but every member of his cabinet is a part of my club. Yeah. The World Economic Forum. He brags about that. And it's every yeah. nation. He says we've got people everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Biden has been bragged on as being the hardest working member ever of the World Economic Forum. Cla- Cla- it's hard to imagine he, that Cla- today. Cla- he takes more vacation than dead people. <laughs> well, okay. Well, Cla- I mean, Cla- he gets Schwab more like rest than the dead. Right, exactly. There's no way that's true. <laughs> so when we have the, the, the president of our country, the, the prime minister of Canada, 
as, as prized members of this prime minister of, of uh, Holland and so uh, yeah. on, of, of this yeah. global organization of this elitist that has really nothing mm, to do cult. with with you know and it's and it's at every level. I don't think the people of Kentucky actually feel like Mitch McConnell goes to bed at night with the weight of of their predicaments on his heart. Or that the people of uh, Kansas City feel that you have to have all gender restrooms. Right. Yes, that right. Women in our is that crazy in the airport? Yes. I mean, I cannot crazy believe offensive. that. In, it is. It's I don't, very I don't offensive. want a man it's, it's in my bathroom. bathroom. No. And they just, no. they just built this beautiful new airport. And the first thing they wanted to do is have gender neutral bathrooms. Because all yeah. the people of Kansas believe in that? No. <laughs> Nobody. Because no most of them no. grew up on a farm. They had male They know and the difference between male and female. Cattle. Like, uh, they know a difference in a, a They know a that you, you, can, you can take a male child and you can put breasts on it and you can do whatever you like. And every yeah. strand of his body, his DNA yep. is still male. So exactly. these things that the regular mm-hmm. people fly over country and everywhere else deal with are not organic coming from the bottom. You, you get this sense that the, the struggles that we have, whether economic, uh, health, losing relatives to, to drugs and many things, they're not organic coming from the bottom like a real problem. Uh, they're coming from the top down and injected what? into us yes. by, by, by a group that don't have the allegiance to the countries of the Correct. people that are there. They don't have any allegiance that, to anyone I, but am themselves. Am I stretching this too far? No, look at what um, Michael Yarns uh, will tell you. He so I was the first person to tell to talk to Michael about famine. You know that they're trying to push us into a famine. That's why they're strangling. You know the sale of fertilizer and so on and mm-hmm. so on globally, right? So Michael began this journey of really diving deep into famines, and he will tell you he could sit here for two hours and show you how um, almost every famine throughout history has been man. Made like engineered, mm. right? Not because we just ran out of food. No, because they they set what the conditions for that. What a terrible thing to yep. do. And I wanted you, you. I want to tell you something about what you just said, um, David. So it, you know, what does it say here? Flyover country, right? Mm-hmm. Flyover conservatives. That's the name of your show. So not so long ago, I was doing an interview with a January Sixer. His name is Tommy Tatum. He's from Greenville, Mississippi, okay. which you know is incredibly poor, mm-hmm. incredibly poor, and mostly black Americans, right? Um, a few white people there are, I think, in a minority. Mm-hmm. Tommy, before January 6th, had 11 local radio stations. And he's, you know, doesn't have a history in journalism and all the rest of it. So when I was talking to him, I said, Tommy, why why radio stations? Like, how'd you get into that? Mm-hmm. And um, he, he thought about it for a moment. He looked down, and I remember watching him waiting. And then he looked at me and he said, you know what, Lara? He said, where I come from, we're just throwaway people. And that's when I realized the light went off. Flyover country really means throwaway country mm-hmm. to these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you talk about is it a stretch, it's not a stretch. They literally treat most of the states of this country, anything that's not on the coast, mm-hmm. as if it is completely and utterly worthless. It's an abomination. It's not how many times do you have people? That's not really America. Those embarrassing people in South Dakota or the Midwest mm-hmm. or Kansas City, right? They're an aberration. If you really want to know what America is, then look no further than New York and L.A. Mm-hmm. So one is controlled, you know, the media is controlled East Coast, right? We control what right. you yep. see. And the other is Hollywood and the West Coast. We control what you see. And the only time they sort of deign to do uh, something about, you know, flyover country is when you see some dark, depressing Right. Indie movie about how messed up yep. everyone is in flyover yeah. country, mm-hmm. right? And so think about that. We are that worthless to them, not just because machines yep. are coming and they're going to put people out of work. We were worthless to them before 
AI was mm-hmm. even an issue. Mm-hmm. They have no respect and no regard. So when you talk about elites and elitism, Tucker Carlson did a spectacular monologue on this years ago where he said, imagine if uh, we elected truly diverse leaders, right? Like somebody who wears a ball cap when they sit down at the table or I don't know, someone who goes to church and it means it, right? Or someone who's uh, against abortion. Like what you're doing is what the elites are is they are a, they are a tiny fraction of the global population who see everything the same way and are so utterly convinced mm-hmm. That they are right about everything because Mm. their position is grounded in moral authority. And therefore, everything else beyond that is illegitimate. And you know what? I was one of those people. When I think back to growing up under apartheid in South Africa, I was so filled with righteous anger at the unjust treatment of black people in South Africa, which was all true. And I was fighting for the end of apartheid and so on and so on. And my father said to me once, But if you believe in tolerance, don't you have to tolerate those people on the right as well? And I was like, absolutely (laughs) not. You know, and I I was so offended. Dad, how could you ask me that? Because my father was very liberal. Mm -hmm. So I knew he wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't a right winger. And and he said to me, oh, so why don't you have to tolerate them then? And my answer was, Mm. well, because they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Racism is evil. You know, and prejudice and hatred and all that mm-hmm. is is evil and it's wrong. And I, I still believe that sure. it's wrong. Absolutely. Ha- however, uh, you can't say that you're tolerant and that you, Nelson Mandela said it when he came out of prison, that you tolerance means you, it has to be true. You have to be true to the whole principle of tolerance, which is mm. that you tolerate those you don't like and don't respect as much as you tolerate those mm. that you do. And so, and principles, once again, are absolute. Yep. Right? It's true. Black and white. What an incredible backdrop for yes. you to have come into, <laughs> you know, America and to, and to be looking at this because you've you've lived under, you know, many forms of leadership mm-hmm. and you've spent, I don't know, I don't know the numbers, but the majority of your life working oh, yeah. outside That's of the United sure. States and where you're mm-hmm. operating and functioning in hotels and, you know, Oh yeah, other, sometimes sleeping not even hotels. Yeah, yeah. I've heard those yeah. stories. So, so like, you wow. actually see firsthand the results of different forms of leadership, mm-hmm. especially over. It's time. It's not theory to you; like mm-hmm. you see it. Yes, especially mm-hmm. over time. And you know, I had a moment. Actually, I was in Baghdad when I had this moment, and it was um, it was right after Saddam Hussein uh, fell, and I remember looking at this because it was it. You know, some people in Iraq at the time really had a kind of PTSD. Mm-hmm. They'd been there before, right? Mm-hmm. The last time the U.S. came in after the uh, Saddam invaded Kuwait. When in 91? Yes. And mm-hmm. everybody thought, okay, here comes the U.S. to save us, right? And the U.S. helped took Kuwait back, pushed back the Iraqi forces. And then what did they do? They called all the Shiite leaders. The Shiites come, you know, they're... Iran is predominantly Shiite. This is the split in Islam between Sunni and Shia. And there's a vast number of Shiites in Iraq as well, but there are also Sunnis. The country is mixed, although the Shia are in the majority, as far as we know. Um, And they occupy a lot of the South, right? They're not just in the South, but that's where they dominate. And, um, And so what happened is George Bush Sr., let everyone think he was going from Kuwait all the way to Baghdad, right? 
That's what people thought. That's what the Iraqi opposition were counting on. That's what the Shia were counting on because Saddam was, I mean, he was tyrannical, treated mm-hmm. all of his people terribly, but the Shia got a lot of the brunt of that. And so they desperately wanted him gone. And what did we do? We invited their leaders to an American base and we held them there. And we gave Saddam Hussein time to regroup, to marshal his intelligence uh, uh, forces mm-hmm. and his secret uh, police organizations and to maneuver on the Shia. And then they slaughtered them. Mm. And we did that. Nobody likes to report on that. Nobody likes to say it. So on the one hand, you know, you've got Americans thinking, well, we liberated Iraq from Saddam Hussein. They should be thanking us. And on the other hand, I'm watching Iraqis fall to their knees, tearing at their clothes, screaming Mm. and crying because their soil has been invaded by a foreign power. Now, there were Iraqis that were on their knees thanking God that the Americans had gotten rid of Saddam Hussein. That is true. Mm -hmm. It's just not the whole story. Mm -hmm. And so it's then why do you start to see what what you see? Why do you have Shiite militias operating and they're killing American soldiers in Iraq? And wait a minute, didn't we go there to help the Iraqis? Why are the Iraqis killing us? Well, these are the Shia that are backed by Iran Mm -hmm. that, by the way, just killed three American soldiers Mm -hmm. in Jordan Mm -hmm. with a drone, right? Same people that were still fighting. And there's no resolution there because we've never been honest with the American people, what the fight is about, and also because there's never been any sincere attempt to end that conflict. Mm-hmm. Never. In fact, what we do is we keep having administrations who give them money and weapons mm-hmm. so they can attack us and all our allies and all them through their many proxies all over the world. Man. I'm going to jump into this because there's uh, the world has never been, you know, about globalism, but the world's never been more global than it is now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most of my life growing up, you'd hear about a policy change or a president would change, but it didn't yeah. really impact me directly. Mm-hmm. You know, it was maybe long stretches of time. You'd see a little change with inflation or this or that. But today, I mean, every the, change is oh, catastrophic. When, when, yeah. when, when the world economic forum meets in Davos, you know, I'm, I'm listening because mm-hmm. they're telling us what, what, what they're going to do. What, what maybe the next pandemic is going to be. They're like mm-hmm. forecasting all oh, misinformation's worse than, you know, uh, that, It's it's called in information warfare, it's called a shaping operation. Yeah. So they're shaping the battlefield, preparing it, right? Mm -hmm. Letting you introducing these ideas, they're normalizing it, and they're getting you ready for the introduction of it. So Mm -hmm. there's a real purpose for it, not just to telegraph. And then they project as well. And what they do is they project their actions onto you. So when they say Donald Trump is a Nazi, they're projecting because they're the real Nazis, Mm -hmm. right? And but they want you to think. Now you have to defend yourself. Right. Even though the charge is completely false, mm-hmm. you have to prove that you're not mm-hmm. because they have information dominance. So they make sure that nobody hears yeah. this show, right? So they, they can't stop everybody from following it, mm-hmm. but they can stop and make sure through geographic isolation, which is both physical. Look at COVID. People didn't want to travel. Yep. People still don't travel in the same mm-hmm. numbers and also ideological. So that when you and I Google something, we might get some similar results, but we get a result that's curated specifically for us. So you will never, ever find someone who lives in New York as a registered Democrat Democrat, and reads the New York Times every day. They will never have a flyover conservatives thing pop into their feet. Mm-hmm. They will never see it. In fact, if they tried to find it, they might struggle. Wow. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this isn't isn't new um, the things we're experiencing, there's people that were talking about them a long time ago. In 1984, there was an interview done. I want to play a clip, um, uh, make sure I get uh, his name right. Um, uh, Yuri 
Brez, Brez, Brezhnev. Brezhnev. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what it is? Uh, not not Brez, uh, the, This is the the former KGB mm-hmm. uh, reporter defected to the United States, and and this clip is everybody's played it and has seen it, but I, I want to play it in a context of. Uh, get your reaction to it and break down what he forecasted we'd be dealing with in the United States. Because again, I mentioned earlier about nothing really feels organic. It feels like it's, it's happening. Imposed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's coming from outside, not, it's not from, from the bottom up. So I want to play this clip. Um, we've had it on our show before, but I would love this. This took place in 1984 mm-hmm. and he's a former uh, Soviet Soviet Leader. journalist, but also he worked with the KGB, and I think he defected in like 1982. So ironically, it's 1984, such a significant date. But um, mm-hmm. um, I want to play this this clip, though, because much of everything that we're dealing with in the United States now and really the world. He articulated. He mm-hmm. was talking about this very clearly then. So I want to play this clip and then get your reaction to it. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, активные мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result, the result you can see, most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you, if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you have you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people who've been programmed and, as you say, in place and yes. who are favorable to an opening with the Soviet concept, mm-hmm. these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock, when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, Obviously, they will revolt. 
they, they will uh, they, they will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they obviously they will join the links of dissenters, mm -hmm. dissidents. Yes. Uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist-Leninist America. Uh, here you can you can get. Uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically, America is stuck with, with demoralization. And unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as, as uh, defense and economy. Uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I, I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast. Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in 68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy, 
to eliminate the principle of free market competition and to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C. with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfillable or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in the state of war. Undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's, it's the system. However ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy, whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have literally several years to live on unless the United States wake up. The, the time bomb is ticking with every second. The disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility. Okay. Wow. At the end of World War Two, at the end of World War Two, we were five percent of the global population, and we had fifty percent of the globe's wealth. This was a really rich, prosperous country. Now we can't pay the interest on the debt. Mm. Every single thing that he predicted, and if the U.S. is out of the way, the whole world is in a whole different set mm -hmm. of circumstances. Yes, yeah. without a doubt. That people say if the light goes out here, it goes out everywhere. Right? Mm -hmm. Winston Churchill said in the Second World War, the lights are going out all over Europe. They may never be lit again in our yeah. lifetime. And I think of that often because mm -hmm. if the light goes out in the U.S., I'm not sure it will ever be lit again in our lifetimes. Um, I was thinking about two things that really um, that really stood out when I was listening to him in the beginning. I was, about, I was saying in my head, the 60s generation, and then uh, he said it himself. And that was really interesting to me because if you look at the history, right, Going back uh, to the early 1900s, Lenin was in power. He sent his emissaries all over the world to identify what they called fissures, openings in um, mm. foreign societies that they could exploit in order to infiltrate and seed communist ideology. So in Algeria, for example, it was race. And that's why you have the whole Islamic conflict in mm -hmm. Algeria that is killed so many people over the years. In America, it was race. And and Lenin's emissary actually wrote a very short book about this. Um, and so he was on the record for his mission, what he did, what he identified, and, and how. And mm -hmm. so this coalescing of the left, so this is the irony, right? We've lived under this lie that the KKK is the party of the right. The KKK right. was the party of the left. Right. That's, that's because overlaying that has been this relationship between the left and uh, and racism mm -hmm. that was really fostered by the communists. They mm -hmm. were the ones that were manipulating that. And what they discovered was that for years, so from the early 1900s all the way up to the 60s, who did they back? They backed the American worker. But that was a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the American dream. 
The American yeah. worker is not like workers anywhere else. The American right. worker knows they have hope. They have the ability yeah. to rise above their station. They can make their life better. They, yes. can, mm -hmm. they can rise even the bottom of the middle class. You can rise up, right? From the middle class, you can rise to the upper Absolutely. class. Sure. That's the whole system. So the American worker was an unreliable partner for the Soviets. So what they did instead was they turned to cultural Marxism. They turned to narcotics. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They turned to, and hedonism, right? Sexuality. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that was the Franklin School, if you look at their history, is sort of a microcosm of this because the Franklin School was in Germany, in Frankfurt, and right before the uh, rise of Hitler in the Second World War, um, they came to America mm -hmm. and partnered with Columbia University. Oh, mm -hmm. and he wondered that these universities had yeah. been taken over. Yeah. And that's where that was the birth of, you know, Planned Parenthood and uh, and sex education in the schools mm -hmm. and Sololinsky's Rules for Radicals and the whole Woodstock and LSD and, and you know, free love mm -hmm. and all of that. Free love was about breaking down the bounds of morality and tradition right. and family, mm -hmm. right? The traditional family was mm -hmm. again in their sights because the, in, in communism, in Marxism, the state wants to be the, the be all and end all of everything. Right. Right. You can't have parents interfering. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to have parents, parental and now rights. We have, there's parents being arrested for not- We want to be not, big brother. Yes. Parents being arrested for not partnering with, exactly. with a, a transgender ideology mm -hmm. that a child adopted from the school. Like yes. we're seeing that in real life. Yep. 100%. And then that brings me to the other thing that I was thinking about listening to him is what he didn't account for because of when he was speaking was technology. Yeah. Right. So the reason we, we are so affected by what happens around the globe and that we're having the same conversations in elections in Brazil right. and yep. South Africa and China and America is because of technology. Because if you combine Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and uh, Google mm -hmm. and so on, who are all working together, all of these big mm -hmm. tech companies, right. when you combine them, you cover almost every inch of the planet. And so Absolutely. those ideas mm -hmm. now, <clears throat> they don't just take root in one society, they're being pushed into every society. Mm -hmm. And then what comes behind that of, is the local government, right? The local government of the uh, of this globalist world mm -hmm. are, the are the NGOs. They, In fact, I learned recently that NGO is a term that came from the United Nations, the UN. It's another deception. Wow. These were called intergovernmental organizations mm. before. And that's really how they're operating, right? Many of them get their mon money and their funding from government. But if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense to be funding LGBT programs in Afghanistan where women don't even have basic human right. rights. Yeah. So, and, and the same in Serbia and other places. So why are you doing that? Because mm. you are creating what they call their affinity groups, which are networks, loyalty networks mm -hmm. all over the world right. that really function as your enforcers, right? Locally, in yep. every community. That's your local government. Okay. And your globalist government is right in front of your eyes. It's the World Economic Forum, it's the WHO, it's the and you know, and so on and so on. These are the these are the bodies where this group of elites mm -hmm. they meet and they discuss and they decide mm -hmm. for you. They're not elected. They don't consult with the people and they make catastrophic decisions that are changing all of our mm -hmm. lives. And he is exactly right. Those kids of the 60s are now in positions of power in the government. Yeah. The you heads see, of the universities. And, yep. mm -hmm. and you see how America has been demoralized. Mm -hmm. And that came from within because you've got all these Americans who don't want to, don't want to sing the national anthem. Mm -hmm. you, know, I, you know, they want you to believe that America is grounded in nothing but slavery and hatred and, mm -hmm. and so on. And then we're now in... 
we've been through the period of destabilization right and we're almost in the period of crisis i mean some might say we are mm-hmm. in the period of crisis but i mean in the sense that we haven't yet had for example a nuclear winter or something mm-hmm. like a, a, ca- a catastrophe right. of those mm-hmm. proportions but there are a lot of people that are concerned that uh something like that may happen uh before the election to justify suspending this election sure. because it's not right. going to go the way of the global cult mm-hmm. unless they cheat again mm-hmm. So in looking at that, you know, when we were hearing him talk, it sounded pretty hopeless. And that was back in 1984. And you see where we are today. Um, is it too late? I mean, can this be turned around, no. do you think? No. Okay, so it um, hope is, hopelessness is the equivalent, equivalent of surrender. Mm-hmm. Like when you say, oh, what happens to people when they think there's, when they don't have hope? They give up. They give up. Yeah. They Absolutely. Give up. And surrender is the only form of victory. That has to be given. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right That's good. up until That's the really moment good. of death. Mm-hmm. You can die fighting. I know because when I was being gang raped and beaten and sodomized in Egypt, I made a conscious decision to die fighting. Mm-hmm. So I was scratching and biting and doing everything that I could. I had no hope at that point mm-hmm. of, su- of surviving. But I made a decision that I, what could I affect? The manner in which I die. Mm. And I wanted my children, who were one and two at the time, when they read about this, when they read the medical reports or whatever, to know that there was skin under my fingernails and someone else's DNA between my teeth because I didn't surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's what Charles Vane, one of the pirates, was when, when he died, when he allowed the British to hang him. Um, for him to be hanged, he, he stopped his guys from rescuing him because he stood up to be that symbol of resistance, mm-hmm. right? So. If you think it's hopeless and it's over, first of all, that's part of demoralization. Yep. You are designed, the system is designed to kill your will to fight. Mm-hmm. And that's a big mistake because they only they only have to have 2% of the population for a communist takeover. If you look throughout history, they've never had the support of more than that. But it's who? Who is supporting? Yeah. It's the elites who control mm-hmm. the money the media, mm-hmm. the holes of power. Those are the people that get you to think that you can't win. They don't, why is it so important to them to put people in prison over January 6th? Because they're terrified of the people. Right. It was never, ever about Donald Trump. I said this in 2016 and every year since. When Hillary Clinton laid out the basket of deplorables, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she put every American citizen on notice that they were the target. Then they pretend and they walk it back and they say, oh, she misspoke. Mm -hmm. It wasn't what she meant, but it was what she meant. The way they function is they push the line and if they get pushed back, they hold. Mm -hmm. And then they wait for you to look away and get busy with your life and whatever else. And then they push it again and they keep pushing until, oh, they stop you. Mm -hmm. And then they keep pushing, but they never go back. So what did they say when COVID happened? We're, ah, this is the new normal. We're never going back to the way it was. Right. Yeah. Right. They did. You're right. And, and you're thinking, wait, we've, we've had COVID for three seconds. Yeah. What do you mean we're not going back? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we going back? Mm-hmm. But that's because they had a plan. Those are all the signs that it was engineered. They already knew the outcome. Then they were engineering that outcome and they were going to make sure mm. that that was the outcome. And that's true, right? Mm-hmm. We haven't gone back to normal. Some, no. some people, God love them. They're still wearing masks. They are. You're right. You're exactly right. Unbelievable. Yep. You're exactly right. uh, It doesn't matter. On airplanes, in their own cars. I mean, you're still seeing it. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't matter. And a lot of leaders. 
um, you know, the, they're not real leaders. The, right. The, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> True. If you're still wearing a mask, you're not you're a not real a leader. leader. Well, I was yeah. looking at that. There's a, 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 a yes. panel with the, um, the, the lead prosecutor in, in DC who's saying yeah. he's going to go after everybody that was anywhere near the Capitol, whether he Matthew went in Graves. or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's, there's four people attorney. speaking and he was one of them and he's wearing a mask. This was like two days ago, mm-hmm. 2024. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. wearing a mask with that person. So, uh, I, you know, with that, I would like to like mm-hmm. pause it, you know, and ask him like, are you fearful of your health? Is there a situation or you want to make sure everybody know who you're going to vote for next time? Or uh, what, what's the purpose with the mask when you're up there with no one else had one on right. except for him. He's mm-hmm. on a panel of four and maybe people. Maybe you're just a profoundly dishonest, evil yeah. person. Mm-hmm. It was just a very yeah. weird look. Because anyone who's putting anyone who's putting um, innocent Americans in prison, knowing that they're innocent and knowing that they are nonviolent, that they didn't really commit any crime, that the crime itself, the fifteen twelve uh, federal charge, they're slapping on um, on most January six defendants for obstruction of Congress, doesn't even apply mm-hmm. in this situation. It refers to documents. Um, Matthew Graves is a big part of that, and he deserves to um, to be held. Take it fully to account, mm-hmm. right? Fully. Mm-hmm. That that little mask that he's wearing, that's going to be uh, the least of his worries mm-hmm. if he's ever held accountable. That's huge. Now, um, obviously, you have a documentary that came out, Rest of the Story, about J6. It's a series. Yeah. It's a, a documentary series. So let's talk about that. I, I, let's actually play the trailer, and then I'd love to come back and talk a little bit about that as well. You've learned a lot more about January 6th. You talked to hundreds of defendants. What have you learned? Well, first I've learned about pain. I believe in my nephew. I am proud of him. He was just larger than life. We wanted to come and kind of just share what really happened today. He had never been in trouble before in his life. So this was just so overwhelming. I was sitting in my home and I got a call from his uncle. What did he say? They robbed him of his hope, his will to live. They took his fight away from him. They broke him. They completely broke him, and they broke his heart. It's hard to find the truth these days, and it's needed now more than ever. We've traveled the country to bring you honest, accurate reporting. Bottom line, Laura, if they didn't want people going to the Capitol, they didn't want people even getting close to the Capitol, it never would have happened. It happened because they wanted to happen. No one was stopping you. This is the government we're talking about, okay? Like they have like nukes and F-15s. They can do whatever they want to stop average people like me. 34-year-old Roseanne Boylan was one of four people killed. This was a woman who got pushed down, smothered, trampled, and then beaten. Had this been covered at all by anyone else in the media? No. They named me as one of the insurrectionists that was preventing the cops from rescuing her. Was that true? Absolutely not. This crutch was right at my feet, and I put it above my head, and I said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, please stop this. Jeremy was at the Capitol providing security. I mean, he's quite literally the poster boy for the special forces. When you were arrested, they never sat you down and said, is this yours? No, because they're the same officers that recruited me on December 9th of 2020. From Department of Homeland Security. The same two guys. These people are hiding all of this information, and judges have let them get away with that. You could be here forever. I will be here as long as the American people leave me here. I'm Laura Logan with the rest of the story. Join us. Wow, that is...
that is Well, if all the links powerful. below where people can find that and watch mm-hmm. that series because it impacts this. And you're the first one I know of that's fleshed this out, that these are real people. And you hear their stories, and you're mm-hmm. like, the, the gap between their story, which is real, and the perception that a lot of Americans mm-hmm. have is huge. There's a, it's, a, it's a grand canyon of a gap between well, those two things. The first thing I have to say is that there are uh, – the group is small, but there are a number of very dedicated journalists and citizen journalists, independent voices who have been working this relentlessly since January 6th. So whether it's uh, Gary McBride from Fine News or it's Cara Castronova and Jim Hoft with the Gateway Pundit yeah. or it's Joe Henneman from Epic Times or it's David Sumrall from StopHate.com. Mm-hmm. Then there's Free Will, and um, there's there's a, a bunch of. Brianna people. Morello just has done mm-hmm. two pieces like with Jeremy Brown, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Yes. So it, it, there's people yes. that are they mm-hmm. just when someone gets on it and they hear the story, mm-hmm. they don't let go right. because they realize. Mm-hmm. But that's it, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you could listen. I mean, them. there's maybe there's mm-hmm. a there's a oh there's Wendy, um, I believe it's Wendy Rogers with Undercover DC. When, no, that's not her last name, but but. Wendy with Undercover DC has done some great work as mm-hmm. well. So there's a handful, right? A handful. It's a drop. Mm-hmm. Less than 1% of journalists out there who have spent any time trying to understand and show what really happened on January 6th. What I do that's a little bit different is that this is 60-minute style, yeah. mm-hmm. investigative work, yep. storytelling, uh, written scripts, and you know, and mm-hmm. so on. It, it, it's very expensive to do and time consuming. It's expen- it gets more expensive because of the time that it takes sure. to do it right and to do it properly. But um, if we, you know, I feel like if I don't fight for that type of storytelling, then it's just going to get lost. Mm-hmm. It literally will die off. And it doesn't, you know, there's, there's 60 minutes is still alive and well, although I understand the audience share has dropped from 12, 13 million an episode to around five, six million you know, on average. And that's a massive drop from when I was there. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, you can't give up that ground to one political entity or people who are politically driven, mm-hmm. right? This form of storytelling is in many mm-hmm. ways the most powerful form sure. there is, where you're not just uh, doing issues. You're saying, let me tell you a story about yeah. a guy called Matthew Perna who grew up in this small mm-hmm. town of pig steel, you know, in, in Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania. His yeah. family had been there for generations. They came on the boats from Sicily. All right, so now I'm telling you a mm-hmm. story. I'm not saying to you, Matthew Perna, today a January 6th defendant, you know, committed suicide. Right. I'm taking you into that story, and that's a real art to yes, that. It and, is. A, and a mm-hmm. discipline. Yeah. And, um, and I'm one of the few people who knows how to do that because if you look at the number of 60 Minutes correspondents over the years, there haven't been that many, yeah. mm-hmm. especially not I was there full-time. The number of full-time correspondents is even less. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of the ones who were there, you know, Mike Wallace and Ed Bradley and Morley Safer, the greats, right? Mm-hmm. They're dead. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And so, and and the people who exploit the media today, who use it uh, for propaganda and misuse it, they're only too happy for this form of storytelling to die off. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as people might celebrate the demise of CNN, believe me, the people exploiting CNN for propaganda purposes, they're the happiest of all because they want there to be no memory of real journalism that exists. And, but Mm -hmm. what I struggle with is that, um, you know, everybody who wants 
to support something, want something back for it, mm-hmm. right? So whether they're donating to a 5013C and they want that tax rebate right. or they're an investor and they want that profit mm-hmm. you know, coming back to them, all of these people that say that they want to do something to help save this country, they don't want to support that kind of uh, storytelling. They don't want to invest fortunes of money in it because you can just do a podcast, mm-hmm. which is much cheaper Right. And mm-hmm. it does a lot. Look how powerful it is. I mean, you're, you guys are a case in point. Look how you've grown and what a contribution you've made to the national dialogue, to bringing the truth in a time uh, in, in the midst of fifth generation warfare, which is a war of narratives, right? Where, where propaganda isn't just a weapon on a battlefield, it is the battlefield. Yeah. Right. So that's a very powerful um, and important contribution to the national dialogue and it needs to be supported. And when it's so much cheaper than doing a show like that, people are like, well, that's not a good return on my investment. And it's like, I, you know, I can't help you if you can't see what this is really sure. about. Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Even just watching the trailer brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. You know, even in the, just the trailer itself. You Watch know. the episode with Victoria White. Yes. Like, it, take it, a look at that one. Wow. the links all if, below. If, Wherever you, if, you're, if, you're, yeah. if you're listening audio only and you're on Apple or uh, if you're on Rumble or, or BitChute or wherever you're listening to this, in the links below, in the show notes, are the links to get to that series. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, I encourage you. To, to watch it. It'll help you have better conversations at the water cooler, mm-hmm. uh, at the Thanksgiving table, at the dinner table, in the church foyer. When you're talking with friends and family, it, it, it's it's now you know somebody mm-hmm. that went through this, and you can kind of make it real. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we, we sort of reduce ourselves mentally to cliches and memes and, and bumper stickers, like well, you said earlier. Well, and also lies, mm-hmm. because there have been so many lies told about January 6th. And one thing they do is they they fill you with false information. They create false events, like Brian Sicknick's death. They completely Correct. created yep. something false out of that. And even when the truth was out, they didn't back down on the narrative. They still held his body in state and all that stuff. And they'll still tell you today that mm-hmm. he died on January 6th. Yeah, Joe Biden regularly yeah, talks about he, the, the number of yes. officers that were murdered mm-hmm. by these far-right extremists. Yes. None of which is true. And then on top of that, what they do is they also lie by omission, right? Mm -hmm. So they commit lies, but they they omit. So that's why you never get a sense of who these people really are, right? I mean, even people like you might think that you know what Gateway Pundit is, but what do you know about Jim Mm -hmm. Hoft and why he founded that and how he did it and where he and his brother Joe Hoft came from? People don't know Mm -hmm. because you're not allowed to humanize uh, anyone that we don't approve of. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so and that's a big part of the deception today is that it's easy to believe that, oh, James O'Keefe is some small, spoiled kid from Connecticut who Mm -hmm. grew up rich. No, he didn't. And no, he's not spoiled. In Mm -hmm. fact, he would do construction with his father and his grandfather um, until his fingernails bled Mm. as a boy on the weekends. You know, you don't know anything about James O'Keefe except what you've read in the New York Times, which condemns him as some alt-right activist. And you buy into it because in the absence of anything else, right, you don't. You, you don't, don't have anything else to, to right. cling to. So you, without even realizing it, you start to absorb this, mm-hmm. uh, these lies. Mm. So true. We kind of jump uh, gears a bit to something you're putting mm. a lot of focus on right now, which is the border. But I want to kind of like put that out there, then step back 10 steps, because we've talked about the globalism and, and what's going on around mm-hmm. the world, again, affects the average person living in Cincinnati or something mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a way that never has before. There's this narrative, um, and we're going to play a clip called the gumball demonstration that I think is just phenomenal. Get your reaction to that. But there's this idea 
that you're so privileged here in the United States that every problem is yours and the people that are in charge, um, they're going to put the, the downsides of their policies in your lap and that we could fix most of the world's problems if everybody moved here and um, that we can absorb that and we can financially afford it to educate healthcare, you know, the whole bit. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this gives a little bit of an interesting perspective to that idea of what's happening at the border. Well, and that it, and idea, it, we need immigration to strengthen our economy. That, that's we, the other we side. We need immigration because white people are too lazy. They don't want to do these jobs, mm-hmm. right? That there, whole narrative. There, there's that that narrative as well as these people are poor. And if we and move, they need our help. And if they move here, mm-hmm. it's going to be better. Um, let me play this clip. I'm interested to get your reaction. Some people say that mass immigration into the United States can help reduce world poverty. Is that true? Well, no, it's not. And let me show you why. This gumball represents the one million legal immigrants that the United States has taken every year on average since 1990. Now, who in the world deserves our humanitarian compassion? The World Bank has one measure of the desperately poor of the world. They make less than $2 a day. And how many people make less than $2 a day in the world? We'll start with Africa. In Africa alone, there are 650 million people who make less than $2 a day. 650 million. And in India, another 890 million people, desperately poor. China adds another 480 million people making less than $2 a day. And unfortunately, the rest of Asia has a heartbreaking 810 million people who the World Bank say make less than $2 a day. And finally, there's 105 million of Latin America's population that are desperately poor. All told, the World Bank says there are 3 billion people in the world, 3 billion people who are desperately poor, making less than $2 a day. That's 3,000 gumballs. And every year, we take a million and suggest that we've somehow made a humanitarian difference. Of course, we don't pull our immigrants from these desperately poor populations, do we? These people are too poor, too sick, too disconnected to make it here as immigrants. We tend to pull our immigrants out of the better off poor of the world And Mexico tends to define the type of immigrant that we bring here because the plurality of people come from Mexico. And Mexico is poor. How many people in the world live in countries that have average incomes lower than that of Mexico? And the World Bank tells us that that number is these 3 billion plus another 2.6 billion people. 5.6. Six billion people in the world who live in countries with average incomes below that of Mexico. That's 5,600 gumballs. And so what is it that the elites are telling us? They're telling us that when we take this one million immigrants, that we somehow or another are tackling world poverty. And we have to do it regardless of the effect on our unemployed, the working poor, the most vulnerable members of our society, regardless of the effect on our natural resources. 
even if we went by the most radical proposals in Washington, which are to actually double our immigration to two million a year, which would totally overwhelm our physical, natural, and social infrastructures, we couldn't make a noticeable difference. And we may be really hurting the impoverished people of the world because the million that we do take are among the most energetic, often the better educated, certainly the most dissatisfied people that if they did not immigrate would be the agents for change to improve the lot of all the people in these countries. The true heroes in the global humanitarian field are the people in these countries who have the wherewithal to immigrate to another country, but instead stay in their countries to apply their skills to help their fellow countrymen. Unfortunately, our immigration system tends to entice these very type of people to abandon their countrymen. The impossibility of making even a dent is actually worse than it looks here. Because last year, when we took one million immigrants, these countries added births over deaths, 80 million more people into the impoverished population. And this year, Congress is bringing in a million legal immigrants. And this year, according to the United Nations, these countries are expected to add another 80 million people. And next year, you can be quite sure that Congress, unless stopped by the American voters, will bring in another million immigrants. And these countries, unfortunately, will be adding another 80 million people into these impoverished nations. We could take 5 million a year, but we'd never get ahead of what's happening in these countries. Not in this century. Don't you see? Immigration can never be an effective or significant way to deal with the suffering people of the world. They have to be helped where they live. 99.9% .9 of them will never be able to immigrate to a rich country. There's no hope for that. They have to bloom where they're planted. The only place that 99.9% .9 of these people can be helped is where they live. Let's help them there. So interesting perspective. And this is all clearly before Biden. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are laughable now because of the rate in which it's happening. Yeah, because there's around 13 million, right? Yes. Already under Since the Biden, Biden administration. Yeah. And that's a, that's, it's probably a lot more, I'm told, mm -hmm. by people on the ground down there. So, you know, it's, it's really um, interesting because... All of that is based on the assumption that when people get here, they are somehow guaranteed a better existence, right? So this is mm -hmm. supposed to help the poor of mm -hmm. the world. Well, and, and I will tell you, I interviewed two young girls who are being trafficked in a, uh, just outside of a, a city in Mexico, which is built on generations of uh, rape, right? That's mm -hmm. what it is. That's what trafficking is, rape for money. And in this town, there have been studies done, kids grow up, wanting to be aspiring to be a pimp because there that's who's got all the power and you know and everything good right and uh these girls this was a really unusual situation for me i did this my show still on fox nation because i'm used to women 
who have been rescued, mm -hmm. who are survivors. They've been through something terrible, but it's over. And I had the guilt and the shame uh, and the certainty of knowing that everything they were describing for me was going to happen to them that night. Wow. And the next day, and the next day, and the next wow. day. And I asked these girls, right? Because in Mexico, a lot of what drives the, the uh, sex trafficking, especially with children, is poverty. Because in, in when I interviewed their pimp, he told me when he was 12 years old, he went with his father and his grandfather. They drove to Chihuahua, very poor state in Mexico, and they bought 12 girls from these poor families. And they brought them back. He rode in the car with them. And um, they brought them for this annual ceremony that they have in Tenancingo every year where they parade the new virgins who are all these young girls. Sometimes they're 11, 10, 11, oh 12, 13, wow. 14 years old. And the people in the town choose who they're going to rape that night. And mm. they pay for them and they rape them. And so um, this is an entire system that has been for generations in this one part of Mexico, right? And uh, what was so interesting to me is I asked these two girls, when you go to the United States, like when you, you know, would you two like to go to the United States? Mm -hmm. Because here again, this assumption that everybody, this is us in Tenancingo, what you're seeing now, we were, at that time they were trying to get rid of us. They told us we were going to be lynched. So, um, wow. And I didn't know that they almost lynched someone a couple of days before that as I just thought they were calling our bluff, but I was wrong. Anyway, um, what, what I asked these girls, would you like to go to America? Because again, this inbuilt assumption and we're sold this idea that for everyone who goes to America, it's a better life. Sure. Yeah. And they both looked in horror and reacted in horror and said, no, 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 no. I don't want to go to America. And I said, well, why not? And they said, because the girls who go there they never come back. And so for them, America wasn't the land of milk and honey. It wasn't about the American dream. It was a place that you go to die. And I will tell you right now, there's a, a woman in, an incredible woman, Sylvia, um, who's on the ground in Florida, who is working with uh, illegal immigrants who are trying to commit crimes. These are kids and teenagers, a lot of them. They're trying to commit crimes so that they'll be picked up by the police and deported and back. because they, they miss their families. They miss their culture. They miss their language. They're tired of being raped for mm -hmm. money. They're tired of being enslaved. And they don't know what else to do. So imagine, I've spent a lot of time in poor countries, whether it's uh, in, all across Africa or it's in the Middle East or it's in Central right. Asia. You know, I've lived mm -hmm. on the ground in these countries and I've seen. So in Afghanistan, you know, if you know people, you've got some juice, depending on how powerful your tribe is. You may not be a senior member of the tribe, but you have family members that are in senior positions, mm -hmm. right? Or the same in Iraq. You know, I, one of my best friends, his his uncle was an extraordinarily influential figure in Iraq. He could get anything done. Didn't matter which part of the country you were in. So even though he wasn't wealthy, he wasn't powerful, he could make things happen. Well, come to America, what do you have? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. You've got no influence. Yeah. You have no social connections. You don't speak the language. Many mm -hmm. of them don't even speak Spanish. They're coming from rural areas in Guatemala and other places where they've never seen a doctor in their lives. They're unable to advocate for themselves. They're not, mm -hmm. even in mm -hmm. sanctuary cities. Do you see people rising up in sanctuary cities and, and going from the poor uh, to the upper class? No, you don't because... No. They may have sanctuary, but what rights do they have, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, we have this 
what I the problem that I have with that gentleman who was very smart and did a very powerful visual representation that showed you that you were not moving the needle on world poverty, but the underlying assumption of his uh, thesis is that the purpose of migration is simply and purely and only to improve the lives of poor economic. people, right. yeah. and that is a false assumption because today the movement of human beings across the globe is run and controlled by the most violent and powerful criminal organizations Mm -hmm. on the face of the earth. They're transnational organizations, primarily uh, Mexican cartels Mm -hmm. like Sinaloa, Cartel Jalisco, Nueva Generación, CJNG, and uh, CDN, Los Cedas, the Gulf Cartel, Cartel del Golfo. Um, These uh, organizations operate all over the world. I mean, mm-hmm. Sinaloa is in more than 52 yeah. countries, uh, CJNG, at least 48 countries. I mean, so these, and they control most of the global trade in narcotics. Mm-hmm. It's only really when you get into cocaine that um, you start to look at the Venezuelan cartels, right? Mm-hmm. They don't, uh, they don't, con- the Mexicans still do the distribution, but the actual production of it is run and controlled by the Venezuelans. So w- when you look at these, these are the people that you're empowering and they're not moving people to have a better life. When they get to the United States of America, they don't suddenly, even you know, even as an American, if you if you see people being treated in your hospitals for free and they're illegal, or you see people going to school and they're illegal, you see people being treated at the VA when mm-hmm. veterans are standing in line, that that may drive you crazy. But let me tell you, that is a mask, right? That mm-hmm. is a mask of deception because um, those people that might be working, doing dishes and doing three jobs, how much is the cartel taking of what they right. earn? And, and, right. And, 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 and how cost? many of those women, those young girls are going from school to the, the mm. uh, a place behind the gas station like they did in Texas where they un- broke this, open this trafficking ring where women who were pregnant were having to come and be raped all day to pay off their debt to the oh. cartels. That is not a yep. better life. No. Explain that that there, the, the debt to the cartel crossings. Mm-hmm. I don't think people get that. There was even the, a state rep in the state of Georgia that made fun of, I think it was during the Trump administration. The coyotes. But mm-hmm. A coyote, like, seriously, like, like a, coyote, a, a coyote mm-hmm. couldn't drag a human across the border. Mm-hmm. Like, she was so oh, ignorant goodness. to even, I mean, how are you in charge of anything? Or calling, yeah. uh, you You're know, Trump you racist actually elect something, yeah, you know, about the border. But they want to yeah. make it all about, so this is really mm-hmm. important. And like, then how much is, example, the car- is the cartel making in this process? They've got to be enriched they're greatly. They're making billions. Mm-hmm. During the cartels the Biden are making billions. So, uh, yes, richer than ever mm-hmm. yeah. uh, during it, this administration because you opened the border. You that's right. good open, for business. Open border ideologues are inside this administration they went, um, Biden sent his emissaries like Jake Sullivan all over Latin America before he even took office, telling people that the border was going to be open, sending the message to the cartels and to the people bring. Open them, for right? business. Mm-hmm. Yes, open for business. Yeah. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. And the business is not about uh, giving people the opportunity for a better life. The business is about slavery, whether it's uh, sexual slavery or mm-hmm. it's labor and so on. They don't like you to say this is the biggest um slave trade in the history of the world, but it really is in modern times mm-hmm. and or recorded history. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking at because for example, the, the card, if you think about it this way, if the cartels control most of the global trade in narcotics, what is the currency of every street gang in the world? It's drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are de facto, you're a subcontractor, mm-hmm. but you de facto work for the cartels because if you're not getting your supply of drugs, you don't own anything, mm-hmm. right? You're not mm-hmm. running anything. You're not controlling anything. So drugs fuels all of this. And it used to be that the the narcotics, 
no one would would risk moving a terrorist or a human being on a rat line that was for drugs because the drugs was were the most important thing of all. Mm-hmm. Now we know that is no longer true. Speak to anyone in the DEA and Homeland Security investigations and so on, and they will tell you that human beings are now, they have now surpassed uh, narcotics. For a while, they were on a par with narcotics, mm-hmm. which was a revolutionary change, mm-hmm. and now they've surpassed narcotics. And that pimp that I interviewed, he laid it out for me because he said, when I said, what you know, if some people see this program, see this interview, and they want to help these girls, they want to buy them, is that possible? How much would they cost? And he laughed at me because he said, what are you going to pay, 20 grand? I make that in a day. 50 grand? I make that in a week. And this is the gift that keeps on yeah. giving. Drugs, so it's talk- one-time sale. That's that's right. A one-time sale. Mm-hmm. And with um, with kids, talk to anyone in this industry of counter-trafficking, they'll tell you the average age, the average span of time that a child survived when they're, tra- when they're trafficked is two years, right? Wow. So they get raped. And, and, and let's not kid ourselves. This isn't just lie back and think of England and don't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you as a child or as a, a young woman, man, whatever, who's being is forced into terrible situations mm-hmm. where sometimes you're beaten, sometimes you're tortured. I mean, they, they've, uh, they've created entire genres of sadistic pornography, for example, mm-hmm. which they call hurtcore, where some people like a blood show. So they know exactly which veins even of a baby to cut so that when they rape them to death, you get the maximum amount of blood and then you get a blood show. And there are people that will buy that video because they want to see the blood show. Then you get mass rapes where people all over the world can tell the people that are torturing people and doing terrible things to them sexually, do this to them or now do this, right? So you have people participating live all across the globe in these horrific things that it's not, I just want people to understand. It's not Mm. just a simple thing Mm -hmm. of, you know, just rape. That doesn't exist on its own. I mean, I asked a doctor once, how, what, how, when you are raped to death, how do you die? Mm-hmm. What do you die mm-hmm. of? And obviously, you know, I wanted to know that answer because I was slightly haunted a little bit by, you know, what happened to me and uh, wondering what if I had died. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, you bleed to death. I mean, that's really what you're talking about. And and you look at Tara Rodas and all of the other whistleblowers that are speaking out now about the crisis at the border. And they're they're talking about like kids that are, you know, um, grown 12 years old that are in diapers because they've been raped oh, so much on the journey just to get to the United States. And then when they get here, it doesn't get any better because, I mean— Tens of thousands of no, them are missing. There's no way to and hundreds, them. hundreds no. are delivered to the same address where they're being trafficked. Right. There's no right. way to on-ramp them into society mm-hmm. and work this in in a way that is productive for them or where they come from and it's not good for where they came from, you know, originally. So this is a, it's a it's a no win for everybody again in this level except for these elites. And I'm not that are, saying the that, elites that are brokering yes, this. Yes, and mm-hmm. to be very clear because I don't want to be misrepresented. Uh, I'm not saying there aren't people coming here genuinely seeking a better life who get a, a new opportunity. We know that that's possible. It's happened throughout American history. I'm an immigrant. Mm-hmm. I know that that's possible. But they act as if every person crossing the border is going to receive mm-hmm. that. Well, that's the only people. You and I both know that if you leave your front door wide open at night, some of the people coming in are going to be cold and tired and hungry mm-hmm. and just need some help. And some of them are, are going to hold you yeah. a knife to your throat mm-hmm. and rape you, mm-hmm. you know, and rob you blind. And we know that if you were a government and a foreign adversary of the United States, a foreign enemy, I mean, 
and the board is wide open. Yep. This is the time to infiltrate your people. Sure. sure. You've got how many, uh, I think in, in one week alone in December, according to the latest figures, there were 8,000 Chinese. I mean, in one month, 8,000 Chinese. In three months, 27,000 Chinese. I mean, you're not talking it, about mm-hmm. battalions. You're talking about divisions. It's a process mm-hmm. to get here. It's not they didn't men. walk here. Right. Exactly. Yes, and not only is it a process, mm-hmm. but a very expensive one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how does a poor person in China afford those fees? They mm-hmm. don't. It's paid by the CCP, right? Because you're being infiltrated. And whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. most of the time, yeah. if you're talking mm-hmm. about China. And this is one thing I want to tell you that's so important for people to understand. When you look at things like the the, the trucker convoy in Texas and the protests that are happening about what's going on with the border, they immediately revert to the same typical stereo types of uh, attack, right? Mm-hmm. Which are that this is racist. This is about because you don't want uh, brown people in your country. Right. And you don't want to mm-hmm. help people. You hate these people and blah, blah, blah. They say all of this. They're even demonizing people like Doc Pete Chambers, mm-hmm. who has been uh, sort of a you know unofficial kind of spokesperson for the, the rallies and the protests that are going to happen um, that are taking place in Texas. They they impugn his character. They uh, imply that he's not really a Green Beret, even though anyone, I mean, you can ask the military for his records. He was mm-hmm. a flight surgeon for third group special forces. He was one of the most respected people in the military during his time. He's still respected, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And and yet they want to target that man. And this is a guy who, who will go out of his way to save people. Yeah. And they're going to make out like he's some kind of hate-filled racist, which is completely and utterly false mm-hmm. because they're setting up another fake insurrection. They mm-hmm. want to say that the people of Texas are rising up against the federal government Therefore, they're insurrectionists and domestic terrorists. And so now we're going to go after them. They've got agitators in the crowd. There's a there's a Texas sort of militia group that's similar to Patriot Front. Nobody believes they're they're real. In fact, you can see it. I mean, Mm -hmm. they they're totally fake. And nobody that is part of this uh, movement to stand up for states' rights and border security is racist. They're mm-hmm. not driven by racial hatred. They're driven by uh, the same concerns that Americans have all over this country. Every class, every uh, race, it doesn't matter whether you're Hispanic American or black American, or white American, it doesn't matter. People want to know that they're mm-hmm. safe. They don't want this country to be run by narco cartels mm-hmm. exactly. who are ultra-violent mm-hmm. and who are satanic. Mm-hmm. I mean, although you might say well, that's who's running us already. <laughs> yeah. uh, Doc was on with Tucker Carlson a mm-hmm. few days ago. Uh, we have just an excerpt from that. Let's play that clip real quick so people are familiar with who you're talking about. There's not one power center in this country, the media, the government at all levels and both parties big business. There's not one power center in the United States that would like to see secure borders. And so, of course, we haven't had secure borders and now we're being invaded and no one's really doing anything about it. So it's just a matter of time before citizens who love their country, in many cases who have served their country overseas, decided to get a little more active in protecting their country. And that's why we're about to see the Take Our Border Back convoy. It begins on January 29th. Truckers, bikers, anyone who wants to come and protect the United States and demand that our government secure our southern border is welcome. They'll be driving to Texas, and one of the people who will help them navigate that state is Doc Pete Chambers. Chambers is, true to his title, a physician. He's a former Green Beret. He was recently down in Eagle Pass, Texas, and here's part of what he saw. Doc Chambers from uh, Eagle Pass, Texas. Today's the 18th of December. We're out here uh, at the point of entry. 5,000 are sitting on the ground right now. It's increasing as we 
as we go along. Information that we've received says another 7,000 should be processed through this particular point by morning. Uh, Joe and I have been here many times. Last time we were down here, we were in uniform, and now I'm a civilian and uh, in the Army of God. So uh, we'll keep telling truths, and uh, you need to get this video to your legislators and tell them, in the state of Texas particularly, this is out of control. So not surprisingly, Doc Pete Chambers has been attacked by dying legacy media outlets as a deeply scary person because your country being invaded is not scary. It's all totally normal. So Tucker did a shortcut there on that. It's longer and people can find that and and, and look at it. But um, there are brave people that are standing up and leaning into this and saying, you know, not on my watch. We mentioned Bonhoeffer mm -hmm. earlier. You know, it's like you're alive in a moment. What are you doing in that moment? And there are people that are pushing back. We'll be right back with Laura. You know, something I know you're hearing about because we do, it's all over social media. If you're, if you're watching podcasts, you're watching economic updates, you're doing anything is, is the, the, the globalists that we're talking about a lot today, they have a direct plan to, to crash the dollar and impact you financially. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in the right position to protect yourself from that, then you're vulnerable. And the, it's true. the same as if, you know, there's a blizzard, you would want to wear a coat. The mm -hmm. same as if you're uh, in a boat, you'd want to have a life jacket and things that are just wise to protect mm -hmm. yourself. The thing you got to do to protect yourself against a deflating dollar and an, and an inevitable oncoming digital currency is to move into a physical, tangible asset. I mean, Nails, two by fours, a lot of things hold a value and probably will go up over time. You can buy baseball cards, you could buy maybe wine and that would go up. Mm -hmm. Art, there's a lot of things you could do. Maybe a 67 Mustang would appreciate over time. That's kind of hard to do and store, and then you got to sell it. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. The easiest way to take your money out of a, of a crazy environment and, and have a, a, a storable value is precious metals. And right yep. now, right now, silver is the best move. We have a, a double PhD that we've been friends with for over 25 years that it's we a trust. Of a century. We trust completely. It's a long time. A long time. And matter of fact, his dad was even a mentor of ours. So it, it, in this area, when you're dealing with your finances and what you've worked hard mm -hmm. to save, you need somebody that you can trust and uh, that you can get on the phone with. And there's actually a real person mm -hmm. that you're working with. So Kirk Elliott is, has been a friend of ours and he's somebody that we have done this with. Every single month now for years of moving out of a scary dollar that's vulnerable into a precious metal that at any moment, it's not like buying a real estate property or something that how do I sell it and what's going to happen within within about 48 hours, you can liquidate silver and turn it back into whatever currency that you want and, and make a move in the future. And he helps you do that. Easy. You're not alone in the process. Easy, you're not just easy. buying it one time and then you're done. You're actually in a relationship with the team. So when you go to flyovergold.com, a place to fill out your information, you can have a free consultation. It doesn't cost yep. you any money whatsoever. Or you can call 720-605-3900. Yep. Do it today. You won't regret it. Now let's jump back into the conversation with Laura. There are, and Doc Chambers is one mm -hmm. of them. And here's a guy, I mean, I know him. I've known him for a couple of years now. We met during COVID. He was very concerned about what he was seeing happening in the military as a result of vaccinations. Mm -hmm. And he spoke out about that. Um, but this is a guy, you know, he will never practice politics over medicine. This is a doctor that if you go to him, he's going to he's gonna give his life to save you. I mean, he would have done it in uniform as a soldier, and he'll do it as a doctor. 
And he's been riding. He's been living on the border. He's been up and down there. He's a great horseman. He's a he's a real cowboy, and he's an extraordinary person. He is. He doesn't have a prejudice bone in his body, right? These, mm-hmm. I mean, people they couldn't care less about color. It doesn't matter. It's got nothing to do with that. And he's talking to law enforcement. He's talking to the sheriffs. He's liaising with the sheriffs. You know, you have these sheriffs that say in the paper, "Well, you know, it's unhelpful. Don't come here. You know, don't." come and block our streets and obstruct us. And uh, he and I were just talking about this. I was like, okay, so let me get this straight. So they don't want you creating a traffic jam in their streets, <laughs> but, but they're, they're okay totally with fine with you using their streets to traffic kids and yeah. people and yeah. everything else. Yeah. Because by the way, you have a problem, constitutional sheriffs who don't want to stand up for yeah. Article 4 of the Constitution. Right. And I, I'm not meaning to knock the sheriffs, but, you know, if you, it is a constitutional right of every American mm-hmm. to stand up. If you look at the civil mm-hmm. rights movement, right, that everybody's now is in awe of, oh, the, the civil rights movement, right, is the embodiment of what we're supposed to do as a nation, to stand up for what is right and effect mm-hmm. noble mm-hmm. change. Except the civil rights movement, they did sit-ins, they disrupted traffic, they disrupted business, you know, mm-hmm. and, and now that is uh, lauded as a great and, and noble endeavor, oh, but not if you're from Texas and or you're a trucker or a veteran or yeah. conservative, mm-hmm. then you're a domestic mm-hmm. terrorist. And this is, this mm-hmm. cannot be allowed to happen. How dare you disrupt mm-hmm. the movement of the cartels on our streets? They even had the temerity to say that, oh, look, you're going to provide, the truckers are going to provide perfect cover for the cartels to move their product. They've been moving their product every single day of this yeah. administration in unprecedented yep. numbers, mm-hmm. the highest ever recorded in the history of this country. So why don't you, Mr. Sheriff, shove it where the sun don't shine and stand up for the people yeah. and do your job because you were elected mm-hmm. to serve and you seem to have forgotten that. And it's not the same if you are a conservative or if you are a liberal like Black Lives Matter. They're not telling them stand down. They're, they're not a, telling they're a protest. They call themselves counter protesters. I hate that term because it's not real. Mm-hmm. There are agitators and protesters from the from the far left who are already down at Eagle Pass on the border who are disrupting the National Guard and trying to obstruct them in the performance, the Texas National Guard, of their duties. Mm. Right? Yep. That's okay. Oh no, that's allowed. But the convoy is being rerouted. They're they're tying themselves up in knots to stay away from Eagle Pass and only go where law enforcement wants them to go mm. because these are law-abiding, mm-hmm. peaceful citizens who support their government. They support their state government. They support their federal government. Mm-hmm. They don't support the violation of states' rights. And in that, right. they're standing up for their attorney general and for their governor, yeah. right? And, mm-hmm. they're, and they're standing up to do the right thing. They want to do it peacefully and lawfully. And what are they worried about? Agitators in their mm-hmm. midst, paid agitators, trained agitators, you know, um, people, uh, bottom feeders all the way up and maybe undercovers and informants, maybe undercover agents from the federal government who are there to agitate and cause trouble and turn this into something it's not. And then they've got their piranhas in the media, mm-hmm. their, their little lapdogs that are sitting there just yeah. waiting to be fed those kernels of propaganda that they can populate all over the media and paint this as something that it's not. And you've got literally people, there won't be as many people out there as they should be because they're too intimidated and they're mm-hmm. too afraid. Especially after January 6th. Correct. Yes. What What is this private paramilitary act? Can you describe what that is this and is what's a going bill, on with it? This is a bill that a Democratic senator has proposed that they've got before the House um, where 
uh, sorry, okay. before the Congress. H.R. 6981. Mm-hmm. Yes, and everybody should familiarize themselves with this bill, H.R. House Resolution 6981. Representative Raskin, Jamie Raskin mm-hmm. of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Preventing the Private Paramilitary Activity Act of 2024. What this is really about is taking away the Second Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. Taking away the rights of the people to form a well-organized militia and the right to bear arms. They want to criminalize that and make it a terrorist organization. And why do they need this legislation? Why do they need the um, the January 6th Select Committee? Mm-hmm. Why do they have to take a false charge, the 1512 felony charge of obstruction of Congress, and apply that incorrectly to January 6th? Because it goes back to the McCarthy era. This mm-hmm. started in the McCarthy era. Wow. When people went before Congress... During And if you watch, you know, movies and you listen to Hollywood and you listen to the historians, you will think that McCarthy was just a nut mm-hmm. who went absolutely crazy, bat crazy, mm-hmm. right? Beep. And, <laughs> and he went after innocent Americans and there was nothing there. Mm-hmm. But if you go back you pu- and you look at the actual, the, the footage of the McCarthy era trials, you will see person after person after person, some of them very high up in the Department of Defense and in the Pentagon and all across the U.S. government saying, I am an avowed communist. I am a Marxist. I will be a Marxist till the day I die. And, mm. And, mm. and what happened? They won and they rewrote the narrative. And who was to the left of that person and who was to the right? On the one side, they had lawyers from the National um, Lawyers Guild. And on the other side, they had lawyers from the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. And who are the people that were defending Antifa and helping those uh, them today? Wow. Was fast forward, the mm-hmm. ACLU and the National that Lawyers Guild. bloodline went straight yep. through. It's the same thing. And what did they do after the McCarthy trials? They dismantled the congressional oversight committee on internal security threats so we didn't that's why they had to create a january 6th select committee because mm-hmm. they didn't have a oh, committee wow because they just dis- they destroyed they, the marxists wow. got rid of it where were the subcommittees they got rid of them after they got rid of the committee they got rid of the subcommittees too and who were the people that did it the aclu and the national lawyers guild what did they do next they went after the smith act the smith act mm-hmm. were the laws that govern domestic terrorism and in, in, in domestic security threats why Trump said he was going to declare Antifa domestic terrorist movement. Yeah. Why mm-hmm. didn't he? Because he didn't have any laws to do it by. Wow. That's why he didn't do it. So what they're trying to do, they're scrambling to create laws to go after their political opposition yeah. and get rid of you. And when did this come out? Do you know? Do you know? Is this, this pretty recent? This is pretty recent. It hasn't, I believe, and I asked around, but I believe it hasn't been adopted yet. But, um, you know, the Senate, they have a majority, right, to pass this. So um, I, I don't know Something exactly. One of the latest at. action was on 111, introduced 111. The 11th of January, mm-hmm. 2024. So I don't know. But, you know, when people look at the border right now, they look at it in isolation. They don't look at the fact that at the same time they're doing this on the border and they're picking this. The federal government is picking a fight with Texas. They're putting bills like this mm. on the floor of the House or on the floor of, of Congress. Congress. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what they are also doing at the same time, the Biden administration announced a halt to all new permits for the export of liquid natural gas, LNG exports. Mm-hmm. So at the same mm-hmm. and Texas is an oil and gas mm-hmm. state. So what they essentially did is they froze the liquid natural gas industry, which is a major, major oh. uh, act to, you know, they're moving mm-hmm. against fossil fuels. 
And uh, you have to look at this in that context as well and understand there's a bigger fight going on here, mm-hmm. right? And and what exactly is their aim? So we know that the Biden administration, be, this being an election year, is very conscious of the fact that this is playing badly. Mm-hmm. The reason they did it the way they've done it, where they lied about it, you know, Mallorca's issued unconstitutional policies that are essentially illegal, refusing to implement the laws that are already on the books mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that were approved by Congress. Why haven't they gone to Congress to change the laws? Because most Americans, Democrat and Republican, do not support an open border policy. What they're implementing is the policy of the globalists. Go back to 2018, look at the United Nations Global Compact on Migration, which recognized migration as a human right. The reason the Biden administration has refused to use the word crisis is the same as the reason they refuse to use the word illegal, because it's not illegal to exercise your human right Mm. to migrate and to come from wherever you want to and to walk into the United States and be given a red carpet because this is the policy wow. of the globalists that talk about regular and irregular flows of legal migration. Okay. So you mm-hmm. you in America, all of us, we are living under the rule of the globalists, not the people right. we the elected. The thing behind the thing. That is the thing behind the thing. It is okay, right um, there. Let's stick with the border one minute uh, here because I want to clarify this. We, we kind of danced around a little bit. So there's, there's, there's a, there's a flood like the, in December, it was larger than the city of Cincinnati just came over. I think it's equivalent of five or six States at this point. And I believe total under the Biden administration is more than the population of 33 States. Wow. Okay. That's so how the, many have it's, it's, it's massive numbers. I mean, massive. I've heard even projections that by the end of his administration is that when it ends in, in, in November of 24, it'd be 13, 14, maybe 15% of the U S population. Some people say it's already that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're talking like that's African-American is like 13%. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about a, a major shift in the makeup of our of our country. But let's talk about if, if you were to guess, I'm not holding you to these numbers, but mm-hmm. kind of break it down for our audience a little bit. As they're coming across, what kind of buckets of people, if we're going to categorically place them, um, there is – uh, you said eight thousand Chinese came through in in the month of December. In the month of That's December, the latest alone. Figures. So there are um, some people like, okay, I've dreamt this my whole life. This is my time. I'm making a run for it. The cartel makes money on every person yes. that comes across. There's it's a, there's a toll there basically that the, the cartel says, okay, yay or nay, on every person that comes through, and they're paying a fee. Like five thousand, ten thousand. I think the Chinese oh, are like thirty thousand or fifty thousand. The Chinese are much higher because they come from further away. But the latest figures are through the roof because it's an election year, and they know that the Biden administration just made a deal with AMLO, the the leader in Mexico and the Mexican government, which is basically a narco state. Mm-hmm. The Sinaloa cartel pretty much controls mm-hmm. that government, and other cartels have influence too. They made a deal to reduce the flows because it doesn't look good, because most Americans agree on this, no matter where they come from. And so what the cartels have done is jack up the prices. So I just saw a cartel notice that was, I mean, they were talking about 30000 for somebody um, just crossing from Mexico. So, I mean, it's doubling wow. and tripling. It's going up exponentially. And there's there's just, uh, there's no way that these the poorest people can afford and, that. No. And mi- mixed in there, you referenced earlier, as far as an invasion. If this was World War II, um, it'd be pretty great to send our best troops into Germany and they'd get money and welcomed in and taken right into Berlin. Yes. I mean, that'd be a pretty great. Of course, they're you know. infiltrating the country. So, so, you know, you have some people who are just looking for a better life. 
and they're uh, yeah let's kind of make up those buckets yeah, you the, the, those the, buckets. the better the better life group mm-hmm. there's the better life group there's the uh the desperately poor uh group the people who who've come from abject poverty mm-hmm. villages of Guatemala mm-hmm. in Indian areas so where do they get the doctor in their life they don't they don't have it so they pay a, a fraction to the cartel the cartels if they want to they seize their land back home so they might not have money but they may have a plot of land mm. right and so in fact there's a, a documentary uh that npr did a few years ago which talks about exactly this they don't want to talk about it now mm-hmm. but they didn't mind talking about it a few years ago when trump was in office which shows these kids working as slave labor in these poultry farms in the mm. midwest um in terrible conditions packed into trailers with no running water and no heat all living on top of each other um and and the cartel is taking like 80% of their salary and if they object they'll steal their land back home they'll kill their family back home they threaten them mm-hmm. so you have those people then of course if your border is open you you can bring a, in a number here in the first 11 months of 2023 more than 31,000 chinese citizens were picked up by law enforcement yep. this isn't you know ones they know of uh, legally into the us through mexico Government data shows that compared to an average of roughly 1,500 per year in the preceding decade. Yeah, so it's the staggering numbers. Mm-hmm. And there's one important thing that I want uh, people to think about, right, that you may not have heard discussed before. And we have this idea that China is poised to invade and that this is the CCP going to war against America. I would argue that this is Americans going to war against their own country because they have weakened America on every level they you have. can think sure. about. Yep. doesn't matter whether it's foreign policy mm-hmm. or defense, you know, putting $80 billion of some of it, very advanced military equipment in the hands of terrorists mm-hmm. and giving them their own state, mm-hmm. which is now uh, the main terrorist na- state in the world. I've spoken to people in DEA and intelligence and whatever they say. I mean, Afghanistan is now the terrorist base for the world's terrorists, right? So when you yeah. do things like that, you don't strengthen America, right. you weaken America. America. Mm-hmm. And when you consistently weaken America on in every direction, mm-hmm. then it's obviously not an accident. Nobody can be that incompetent. Right. This is by design. Right. So the real question is, is, Ch- is communist China at war with America or are they the servants of the globalists? Are they serving the interests of the globalists? Because, you know, an invasion mm-hmm. by China, anything that shuts down the election so nobody can see yeah. the overwhelming support right. for Clearly. Donald Trump mm-hmm. is going to serve the globalists. Mm-hmm. They, they don't want to be held to account. And, you know, you said something before about hopelessness. I didn't get to answer that part of the question. There are many signs to be hopeful, to take hope from right now, because in spite of everything that they've done to Donald Trump with all the false prosecutions, they've only made him more popular. Right. right. Yeah, right? it's true. And in spite of their best efforts, you've now have people like Jamie Dimon of Chase Bank. Yes. Right. Who is pretty much, you know, a, a child of Satan, mm-hmm. right, walking the earth. And so has Chase Bank. They've had that role. I mean, look at what they did in relation to trafficking, helping Epstein yeah. traffic in, yes. in children. Right mm-hmm. into raping children for money. They were happy to be part of that. They knew mm-hmm. what was going on. That's why they've just mm-hmm. done a, a big settlement. So you've got people like that now coming out and saying, well, maybe Trump's policies, economic policies were actually good for the economy. Mm-hmm. A guy like that, you know, the way 
my experience tells me the only reason he's doing such an about face, because this is the guy that was shutting out people's bank accounts for going to the Capitol on January 6th, whether or not they committed a crime Mm -hmm. didn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. He's done that to a lot of people and a lot of businesses. He's just a radical progressive who hates conservatives. He's wearing a Ukraine pin while he made those quotes. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's all in on their- So why Mm -hmm. the about face? I don't know. It's, uh, right. So either somebody's got you by the balls mm-hmm. because they own you, right? And they're telling you what to say, or you you see the writing on the wall and you're terrified. Mm-hmm. So someone's either making you do it, or you're choosing to do it because you know that accountability is coming and you're trying to save your skin. He's not the only one. I think it was the Financial Times did a piece an editorial about silencing Trump is not the answer. Oh really? Mm. Oh really? Financial Times right. is that right? Oh, but you didn't mind, you know, how many articles have you written about Trump that were 100% false? You didn't mind pushing that propaganda. Right. So there's, these are shifting winds mm-hmm. that indicate to you that they're worried, mm-hmm. that they're scared. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts because mm-hmm. we know they don't have goodness in their hearts. They've demonstrated that time and time again. It's like and the, the, Americans waking up, you know, I mean, the border's been open now for three years, but now they're like almost right, four. Yeah, almost four. And now they're showing up. You know, Abbott, he's, you know, holding the line at this point. Mm. You know, we'll see what happens. Mm. But at this point, you know, <laughs> where has he been the last okay, few years? Okay, Stacey. You know, but I mean, you look at it and it's yeah. like, okay, it, some, it, it, something it's, is it's happening. It's better than nothing. Yeah, something is happening. It, yes. He's given us something, you know, to work with, you know, on that front. And, Absolutely. And, and, and people are fed up. But if you look at uh, the, just the 2020 election results that they gave us, mm-hmm. and you look at America. <laughs> that what, they gave us. Yeah, the yeah. red counties, you know, look at blue. We don't have... There, there are no blue states. There are no blue states. County by county, we have blue cities, but there are no blue states. There's not a blue state, not even California. There's not a blue state in America. And um, there's some blue cities. That's it. And if you look at people like Seth Cashel and the work mm-hmm. he's done on election integrity, yep. you will see that even that is engineered, right? Mm-hmm. Even the blue cities are engineered. And, um, and what they've been doing is cheating in those places so that they have such a huge margin uh, that they can convince you like California, for example, every time you go to California, why is it? I can't find anyone who likes Gavin Newsom right? because apparently he keeps getting elected with overwhelming majorities, mm-hmm. but you go to California. Yeah, there's the map that, that that's the United go. States of America. That is a red country with some blue cities. You know, you got Austin there and you got some places like that, but yeah, now they would argue that the cities have the population. So mm-hmm. the populations of LA and New York alone could elect every leader for this country, but it's academic anyway, right? Because mm-hmm. if if the globalists or the global cult prevails, as Yuval Noah Harari has already told us, this will be the last election. You won't need elections anymore because with mm-hmm. predictive AI, mm-hmm. they can tell you who you'll vote for and we can spare... It's much more convenient. You don't need the inconvenience of having to go yeah. vote. Mm-hmm. You don't need the, the stress well, and the tension. You're too stupid anyway. And you're too stupid. Yeah. So let us decide. Let's just let us do it yes. for you. When, when uh, COVID first started rolling out, you know, we we were, you know, it caught everybody kind of off guard a little bit at, the, at that time. Um, we're talking about coronavirus. And I'm like, oh, you know, from too much beer, you know, what is this <laughs> yeah. problem? You know, it's like not taking it seriously. But it began like, uh, we have a large conference that we would speak at every year in Miami. Um, it was like in February of 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 that year, and and you know there was starting to be some masking and rope off, and then like the next week after mm-hmm. that conference is when everything kind of started hitting and, and getting serious. And when it did, we're like, 
oh, pandemic, you know, it's kind of, it was all new language. And so mm-hmm. went back and watched the, the movie with Matt Damon and, and uh, he got killed off pretty early in it, but uh, it was the pandemic movie. I forget who the, the his wife mm-hmm. was in the movie, but went back and watched that mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, you know, cause it was this, this new language, it's like a snowstorm, you know, a little bit yes. like, Hey, we're getting snowed in um, and, and kind of up, up to, up to par, but I'm like, well, uh, contagion. contagion. That's what it was. Con- contagion had all the all the the hey, Lawrence Fishburne. Thank goodness Jude for Colton. Thank yes, thank you, Colton. Gwyneth yes. Paltrow. That's who it was. Kate Winslet's called them yeah. in it. So it had all the A-list, but they were you know it was kind of predictive of what. And there was several other things. Then mm-hmm. as we began to look at it, like well, there was a lot of talk about this. And then <laughs> then I, I didn't know about like Event Two Hundred One and that they did the rehearsals for it in advance and you know practiced the, the news releases and you know we began to do shows on on all of that. And I want to play you a movie trailer. For a movie that's set to Uh-oh. come out here in a minute, mm-hmm. uh, called mm-hmm. called Civil War, mm-hmm. and so now I'm kind of I look at these things because I realize oh it's kind of a I mean if you want to go as far as saying kind of a, a Luciferian principle they, but I they, I have to tell you if I'm going to punch you in the face they tell you what they're planning yeah, so they telegraph it it's called uh, they're they're shaping the battlefield mm-hmm. so so let's let's play this trailer real quick and uh, see what you think. Nineteen states have seceded. The United States Army ramps up activity. The White House issued warnings to the Western forces as well as the Florida Alliance. The three-term president assures the uprising will be dealt with swiftly. Let me know if you want to try anything on. I guess aware there's like a pretty huge civil war going on all across America. We just try to stay out with what we see on the news. Seems like it's for the best. Citizens of America, the so-called Western forces of Texas and California have suffered a very great defeat at the hands of the United States military. Mr. President, do you regret the use of airstrikes against American citizens? We're moving to D.C. today. We need to go down there. They shoot journalists on sight in the Capitol. Every instinct in me says this is death. What if? Every time I survived the war zone, I thought I was sending a warning home. Don't do this. But here we are. There's some kind of misunderstanding here. What? Well, you're American, okay? Okay. What kind of American are you? You don't know? <laughs> the Western forces will reach the White House on July 4th. Oh my God. Get in the car! Get in the car! Move, move, move! You're gonna hang back. I'm not hanging back. One nation under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Go, 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 go! God bless America. So obviously coming out this spring, election year, 2024, mm-hmm. you know, with everything that's going on with Texas and California, mm-hmm. what's your take? Okay. So I've spent a lot of time on the battlefield, a lot of time around soldiers. I'm married to uh, a veteran and uh, who, and when he was in active duty, um, we would together. And of course, we have a lot of friends who are in the military. First and foremost, 
the the most profoundly dishonest thing about this film that makes me really angry is this idea that American soldiers and veterans who took an oath to protect and defend their country from all enemies, both foreign and domestic, would turn their weapons on the American people. They have been desperately trying to get veterans to do that. They have been Mm -hmm. desperately trying to engineer a false flag event, which pits the American veteran Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. the bad guy. And it hasn't worked. Why? Because when they take that oath, it actually means something. Mm -hmm. And they're not... They're not looking to turn their weapons on their government or on their people. They will not be demonized and lured and uh, into a situation like that. And because nothing else worked, they had to come out with this movie, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to make it real. This is not mm-hmm. a real thing. American soldiers do not want to take up arms against their own people. It goes against their DNA. It goes against their oath. It goes against everything about who they are. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe the guys showing up at the Pentagon in high heels today who are not real soldiers, Mm -hmm. maybe they, you know, because they're mentally disturbed um, or ill, maybe they are the kind of patsies that you can use in some kind of awful game. Mm-hmm. But the real ones, the, the ones at their core, this is anathema to them. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. That's one thing. The other thing that I would say that's just so profoundly dishonest about this movie, it's ridiculous. Okay, so first of all, if you're a real soldier, you don't, you don't have red, red glasses, glasses, okay? Yeah. Because, the, okay, obviously you're a opposer that's not real Mm -hmm. and then the the shot of the sniper who's got the bright green hair Mm -hmm. okay no okay if you're wearing the ghillie suit and you've got luminous green hair (laughs) don't bother with the ghillie suit right okay so this is such fake hollywood bs Mm -hmm. like every other movie made this with the hurt locker was the greatest you know most realistic war movie ever Mm -hmm. made one of the awards yeah yeah (laughs) except you've got an engineer a, a, a low um, ranked engineer running all mm. over the battlefield calling in airstrikes? I don't think so. Okay, I mean, th- that was the most, honestly, the most ridiculous and pathetic movie. Nothing mm-hmm. could have been closer to rea- uh, to reality. Nothing could have been further away than that movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is, to me, a sign of real desperation. Yep. They are desperately, this narrative will not take root. They have pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And it will not take root because, for example, the Doc Pete Chambers of this world, you know, and all of the other veterans mm-hmm. that that are looking in horror at all of this, they know what war really means. Yeah. And here is a very powerful point that people do not make often enough. The people who are behind that movie, they've never spent a day in combat in their mm. lives. Right. The people who are pushing, trying to push America into a civil war. They've never spent a day in combat in their lives. Even the General Stanley McChrystals of this world, you know, who loves to show you how good he is at Mm push-ups and prides himself on being lean and mean and tough. He didn't do the dirty work, did he? Mm -mm. He wasn't out there. When, even though he was responsible, you know, uh, for JSOC and a lot of the operations against terrorist leaders, was he the one that was rolling up Zakawi? No. Mm. Was he on the operation to get bin Laden? No. So these people, they may, uh, they may have been closer to war than any other officer since the Second World War, right? Because they were actually there on the ground. But they didn't do that work. And so they fear mm-hmm. the soldiers 
who know how to do it. Mm. What this about, this is all this demonizing of the veterans is number one, because not not only do they uh, are they principled and trained, mm-hmm. right? Not only do they know how to use their weapons. So this isn't just like the average person out there, even if you're, you know, growing up around guns and you know how to hunt and you're pretty good at them, that's not the same as being trained right. to the level of a Delta operative, sure. right? So who poses the greatest threat to a tyrannical government in this country? The veterans. The ones who actually know how mm-hmm. to use their weapons, who mm-hmm. actually know what the principles of warfare yeah. are, mm-hmm. who know and understand the Constitution. They know why they were created. They know their legal responsibilities, whether they fall under Title 10, if they're the United States military, armed forces, Title 50, if they're intelligence, Title 32, if they're National Guard, right? Nobody is more conscious of the law. In, in opposite, you know, ag- this goes against the way they're portrayed. It's very frustrating because in real life, soldiers are very aware of the law. Because um, they know what they're allowed to do and what they're mm-hmm. not allowed to do, and it's ingrained in them. So these people that are they're trying to push the soldiers in for a number of reasons. One, they want an excuse to take away their weapons. That's what's behind the whole narrative of PTSD. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a mass shooter, is it a veteran right. with PTSD? <gasps> we got to take your weapons, mm-hmm. right? One by one, they want to take them. They're not going to issue a blanket order saying we're coming for all of you at once because they can pick you off one by one. So they want to take away your your weapons. They want to take away your guns. And they want to disarm the people most capable, most capable mm-hmm. of being a real adversary when they move to obliterate the Constitution and do things that are blatantly unlawful. Mm-hmm. And where do a lot of veterans go? A lot of them, especially in the last few decades, end up in motorcycle clubs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so who did they demonize, right? They demonized the Q movement, mm-hmm. which had uh, a number of veterans uh, in it, and they demonized the three percenters and the Oath Keepers. Mm-hmm. Right? All the Oath Keepers are is an organization of people who took an oath. So mm-hmm. whether you're a first responder you know, mm-hmm. or a police officer or a soldier – you know, people who took an oath who still want to help protect their communities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all they are. They're not a militia. They're not. We're never trying to overthrow the government. That was complete nonsense, right? And they want to take and demonize all of these groups because these are the groups that are capable of organizing. These mm-hmm. are the groups that are capable of yeah. standing up against you. And they, so they're first in line to be targeted. Mm-hmm. And that movie is all about demonizing veterans, all about it. Demonizing veterans and setting the stage and creating a fake pretext of civil war. Well, I, I know for sure when you look at stuff going on around you and when it didn't happen organically, if it happened, you know, a, a COVID kind of situation and then, wow, they had movies about it and they had fake scenarios, mm-hmm. you know, event 201 and and they they walk through oh, yeah. the broadcasting mm-hmm. and how would we, you know, unroll this new story and how, how do we all be on point, you know, mm-hmm. with the narrative? Um, Here's one for you. Few a uh, few decades ago, they started with this whole idea that American presidents were dumb; they were just puppets, right? That's not what people believed in the Kennedy era, right? Kennedy was a real president. Now it's kind of like, oh, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden has dementia because he's not really running the country, right? Right? Oh, who is? Oh, mm-hmm. you know, these bureaucrats or political operatives, the senior executive service, which are you know a layer of bureaucracy that are really the deep state, mm-hmm. right? So you don't. It doesn't matter if your president isn't very bright. They try to make it more like the King of England or something. It's more right. figurative for a ceremony. That, yes, and, and that, look, at, look at the slew of movies that yep. really have these ridiculous American presidents that are just laughable, mm-hmm. right? They're idiotic. Yep. So that that is something that they... Uh, go back to Wag the Dog. Yeah. Take Boy. a look. 
We, we, we have yes. covered that quite often right? in the show. It's and it's like, oh my goodness, we went back and watched that, I don't know, maybe probably two years ago mm-hmm. now. And we just kept stopping it and just look at each other and like, can you believe this? Mm-hmm. You know? They will actually create wars and things. Mm-hmm. to, And you think, no, I mean, surely not. Surely nobody would actually create a war where people die just so that they can cling to power. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, holy guacamole. This is actually yep. what they do. Mm-hmm. Look at them manufacture these crises to get you to, to look away and mm-hmm. look at something else, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're right. I mean, it's um, it's all over the place. And you know who else does that? You know, Al-Qaeda used to do that. And they, they still do. They they told everybody in Benghazi, for example, you know, we've attacked, uh, we're going to attack the British and the Americans and the international mm-hmm. agencies. And then they did all of those. And they did mm-hmm. the British first and the international agencies. And then, you know, that's why um, uh, people in the special mission compound were warning Washington, D.C., we're going to be attacked. We're going to be attacked um, because they saw it coming mm-hmm. because the Islamists were always laid out what they were going. They tell you, look, read Inspire magazine by Al Qaeda. They'll tell you what the targets are. They published a list before the Orlando mm. nightclub was attacked in Florida. They said gay homosexuals are a target. Oh, who does that sound like? Oh yeah, the Nazis. Oh, by the way, who did Hitler make deals with before the second world war? He went all over the Islamic world, mm-hmm. making deals with the Islamists. So the origins of Hamas wow. are Nazis. It goes right back to the Nazis. All the, right back to the Nazis, which is another reason they don't want us to know our history. Thing behind the thing. The there's thing the, behind the thing. Yes. There's, there's always there something is, behind the thing. And yes. Laura Logan knows it. Um, as we sign off, kind of give uh, your thoughts on this next year. We will be right back with Laura. But first, we want to talk about the fact of, as we discussed, we are under an invasion. Uh, millions of people coming over the southern border. Mm-hmm. There's attacks on our, our food supply chain from every single direction, even from globalists that, that have annual meetings of, hey, how can we get them mm-hmm. to not be eating meat? And then forget ice storms, natural disasters, things like that. We've looked at dozens of sources to be able to secure a, a, a source of protein uh, that that can be stored and protect yourself from the possible uh, interruption in, in your ability to be able to access it. And it was very important to us that there was no mRNA. That's yep. very important. Check. Uh, that they knew from the beginning that the time that the that the um, animal animal was born to the time it was processed, that nothing went in it that we wouldn't want in our bodies Check. as well. That was extremely important. And to have something that's ten plus years that has shelf life, because again, you don't know what's going to be happening in our world. It's kind of a crazy time, and so you want to make sure you have a source that you trust. Ice storms, all those kind of things could happen. But what if you have limited freezer space and you say, "Hey, this this meat's so good that you can just store it in your pantry and then pull it out. It could be available for a Taco Tuesday." So it's good enough to do to either way, and the price are good enough uh, that it's available no matter what. But whatever your situation is, if you have uh, family members that depend on you, if you have grandchildren, uh, you can kind of calculate a week, two weeks. What do it take mm-hmm. to take care of my family for a month? Uh, you can look at those sort of, of options and go to bed at night knowing, you know what, no matter what happens, you know, I got some rice and beans and some things that can take care of that, but also have yes. a protein source that I know is going to last and I know that we're taken care of. That's right. So go to flyovermeat.com, use promo code FLYOVER. You're going to kind of predictively say there's going to be more of this and less of this. and what, So what, you know me. Yes. yes. What am I going to say? I'm not a prophet. You're not, yes, a, you're prophet. not, you're not exactly. a You're two exactly. things. You're not a prophet. I'm a you're a journalist, journalist. And you're not going to tell people what, what to, to think. But you're, no. also, you're no. also a wife and a mother, and you shop, and you prepare, yeah. and you live your life accordingly. And um, you don't walk into a, a snowstorm in a swimsuit either. Mm-hmm. Well, I might. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm just no, I'm kidding. No. Um, okay. This is what I would say. Um, 
if you don't have a sense of urgency about you right now, then you're pretty much like the walking dead mm-hmm. because we Agreed. are sitting at the gates of Auschwitz. We've done the long march. We've walked the miles. Mm-hmm. People have died along the way. And it is now in front of us lie the ovens. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going. Agreed. And uh, people are watching the smoke billow into the sky. They can smell uh, human beings uh, being burned, their lives being reduced to ashes. And they're arguing about whether or not it's climate change. Mm. And maybe the ovens, are they really a bad thing? That's where we are right now, Mm -hmm. is we're justifying genocide of Jews in Israel. Um, And that doesn't mean I don't, I have many Palestinian friends and I spend a lot of time in the Palestinian territories. But but Hamas's position is to Mm -hmm. eradicate every Jew from the face of the earth along with the state of Israel. That's a genocidal position. So we're now advocating for that in our colleges, um, I mean, the Democratic Party, they don't mm-hmm. want to, they have a real problem because some of their most important uh, donor yeah. base mm-hmm. comes from the Jewish community. Right. And now the Jewish community is finally waking up and seeing that, that way. the greatest yeah. existential threat to Israel today does not come from the right. It comes from the left. Yep. Right. This alliance between the far left and the Islamists that's yeah. always mm-hmm. been around. Because, by mm-hmm. the way, Hitler, the National Socialists, of the Nazis, mm-hmm. the National Socialists, they were also on the left. They were just fighting different factions, fighting for mm-hmm. power that they package differently. Um, but they they all believe in the same thing. They're agnostic. They don't believe in God. Um, they don't believe in freedom of speech. They don't believe in free right. markets. Mm-hmm. And you can go down the list, right? Mm-hmm. So, so uh, some of the democratic base, especially the money base, has woken up to this reality. But so, but what I would say to people is, there's a very good chance, according to a lot of senior uh, people that I have spoken to, some of them are political, some of them intelligence, some of them military, who are very worried that there will not even be an election. So that is not a given. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one concern that we have. Will it be, you know, people are worried about a, a false flag event or mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. catastrophic event that um, allows the Biden administration to invoke emergency powers and not for, have an election. For our safety. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Of course. For, thank you mm-hmm. for, for yes. uh, my safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a possibility. Um, but I would also, I would urge people that if you care, if there is an election, have you done everything you could possibly do to ensure yeah. that election was free and fair? Here's something a lot of people that don't know. Every single uh, precinct has to log um, complaints about the election and every election event that day. So if you go right down to the micro, micro, micro level, the people in that polling station have to keep a record of every single thing that happens relating to the election. And when you look at that, these are records that people don't know exist, so they don't ask for them. And they don't have to be preserved the way other election records do. So you Mm. really want to make sure you get them immediately because this will tell you about this machine wasn't working, this one went down, we couldn't get this. So when they tell you later, oh, there's no problem with the machines, you have it in black and white. Mm -hmm. You have the truth in black and white, right? So that's something that people can do. Know the law. Too many people don't know what the Constitution actually says. So if you go today, for example, if you look online, you will find a lot of places will tell you that the Constitution talks about and endorses taxation. No, it does not. In fact, the Constitution exists because though the founding fathers 
despised taxation. Mm-hmm. So they're altering, the in the digital realm, they're altering the meaning and the words of important historic documents, whether it's uh, the prayers, mm-hmm. they've done that, right? Rewriting the prayers yeah. and the meaning of the prayers in revolutionary theology. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that with things like the Constitution. So mm-hmm. I would urge people to know the law, mm-hmm. know what your rights are, because too many people don't. Even if you sign up to be a poll watcher, you know, do you speak code? No. no. Does anybody at an election <laughs> I would guess speak not. code? No. 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 Even if you did, would it matter if you didn't write that code? No. So you have no idea. These people have, they don't have the ability to know if the election's been fair or not. Because if I get my piece of paper mm-hmm. and I, I mark my, you know, make my vote on the on this ballot with a pencil, but then I hand it to someone who puts it into a machine and out pops a QR code. Mm-hmm. Does that QR code match my vote? How would you know? It doesn't have your name on it. Right. right. There's no way to check. And you can count those votes over and over and over again. You can have an audit and mm-hmm. they can count them. They can count them by hand or by machine. You're still going to get the same answer because no one's taking that QR code mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. looking matching at, at and matching it up to the mm-hmm. original vote because they don't know. They, they don't even have the ability to do that. So this is a scam of the biggest proportions. And the only way to stop your vote being stolen from you is to hold people to account, clean up the voter rolls. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the voter rolls are padded um, because the one thing that they cannot do, the more people that show up at the polls to vote, the bigger the cheat, Mm. right? I mean, they can anticipate if you do mail-in voting or early voting or whatever, they can anticipate and so they can cheat in advance Mm -hmm. and that's harder to catch. Kind Mm -hmm. of trickle it. But when you show up on election day and you vote in overwhelming numbers, that's when they have to have a water main break or <laughs> right. or stop yep. counting yeah. mm-hmm. because they need time to catch up. Because mm-hmm. the one big red flag with voting is if I end up with more votes than registered voters, mm-hmm. everybody can count and they know how big the cheat was. Yep. They know that that doesn't happen unless you mm-hmm. cheat. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's that's why mail-in voting is terrible. Early voting is terrible. Mm-hmm. If you don't want those, if you want to reduce their ability to steal the vote from you, then go to the polls on that date. Push for paper ballots in your county. I actually signed up to learn how to count because they're short of wow. people in my mm-hmm. county. And believe me, I don't have time, but I can't go out, you know, do interviews like this and, you know, try to um, and call people out for not doing anything and then not do anything right. myself. Sure. That's so true. Right. So you've got to get up, get involved, have a sense of urgency and, uh, and be alert, right? Mm-hmm. When you see them painting the tracker convoy in Texas as, uh, you know, being domestic terrorists or insurrectionists or just about racism, you know, don't just accept that because there's plenty of evidence to show you that that's not true. So this never been a more critical election. Everybody mm-hmm. says that, you know, it's been said often throughout history, but this is truly right. yes. the election. We're at a fork in the road. I mean, mm-hmm. c- critical, critical. Mm-hmm. Life well, or death. Yes, I totally agree. Well, I was you, just, I was, actually, I was just thinking Flyover Family, you know, you were talking about the Constitution. Something that we did is uh, we were able to, to interview General Flynn a while back, and he obviously... Uh, is big on the Constitution. <laughs> so we yeah. have a PDF. So if you're listening today and you're like, I want a Constitution and PDF, well, you can actually just text phone number 40509, yep. text the letters GF as in General Flynn to 40509, and the Constitution will actually be sent to your and phone. Bill of Rights, it's right there on your phone. Mm-hmm. You can read it. You can uh, 
read it to your know-it-all cousin that mm-hmm. just graduated, you know, from college, or, or send it to him. Yeah, or send it to him. You know, but 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 yeah. that's empowering mm-hmm. to have that in your hands. Yes, and to actually look at it. And then the other thing Great I wanted idea. to do before we let you go is just tell the Flyover family how they can follow you. Yeah. you know, um, how they can you know follow you on Twitter and just all of the different places they can follow your, you. Your so Twitter they can make feed sure. is fire. Yeah. <laughs> by the way. Um. Sometimes literally, because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get because I get so mad. Yeah. Um. Well, you can find me on Twitter at at Lara Logan. There's also I'm going to be launching LaraLogan.us in the near future, Great. and um, on TruthInMedia.com, um, you can find the rest of the story with Lara Logan. It's also um, Truth in Media also has uh, a Twitter page or X as mm-hmm. they say. Um. If you're looking for past episodes on my uh, X feed, it's under highlights. Okay. Um. So you can go there and find all of the um all of the episodes of the show. And um and then I'm on locals and Getter mm-hmm. and Rumble when I can. I like uh, Rumble, although they people have been complaining about censorship there mm-hmm. too lately. So I'm you know I'm I'm always keeping an eye on things. Trying to stay ahead of it is a, mm-hmm. is really difficult, but it's worth it. And if people want to like donate to your cause, is there any place they can do that? I guess following your locals or Substack or something like that. Yes, well, actually on Twitter, you, there's a, a tipping. Okay. Uh, page where people can tip if they want to. There's mm-hmm. um, also if I mean um, if there are bigger donors where they want to go through a five hundred one three C. I have uh, an organization that I work with, um, and they can donate uh, to them. Okay. Um, and that's America's Future, where uh, General Flynn is on the board mm-hmm. and Mary Flynn, his sister, is in charge. She's, she's the best. She's, yep. she's she might Amazing. be my favorite Flynn. Mm-hmm. She, there's some great, great. flins out there love and, joe and love just so it. the flyer family knows we'll put all of the links down below yep. so they'll know like you can just click on it and they'll take you right there to be able to donate it as well as follow laura and all of thank her thank you yep yeah we are so honored it, that you came here today and to spend some time with us we really really enjoyed that and thank you flyover family for joining us tonight the links for everything we mentioned in today's episode will be in the notes below, regardless of whatever platform you're watching or listening to this on. And I encourage you, again, Laura Logan is an incredible follow, specifically on mm-hmm. Twitter, because this could be a crazy year as things happen. She she daily breaks down the thing behind the thing. Hey, Congress did this. Yep. The president said this. And here's why he probably said that. So she kind of gives you all the angles. And so that's a great source that can also you know help you be informed, but also maybe appear a little smarter than you are when you're talking to your, your friends and family. That's exactly. Exactly right. And again, for the free PDF Constitution, just text the phone number 40509. Text the letters GF to 40509. One last little shout out to the sponsors of this show is brought to you by flyovermeat.com, which is basically just a landing page to get you into the the, the, the meat source that you can store, mm-hmm. that you can uh, 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 even eat on a regular basis. But you can lock in that peace of mind of knowing we have meat uh, locked out for our family no matter what. That's exactly right. And also flyovergold.com, or you can call 720-605-3900 for a free consultation. It doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. Make sure you do that today. And please share this episode. Uh, put it on your, your Facebook or directly text it uh, to people. That's how we get the word out. Uh, our content is incredibly censored, specifically on YouTube and certain platforms. And so wherever you're listening to this, please share it because some of the natural algorithms work against content like this mm-hmm. because there's a specific uh, narrative and message that they only want you to hear. So for those that you care about, please share this message uh, with them. We really appreciate it. And I think your your friends and family will be glad you did as well. We bless you. We bless you to realize you were born for such yeah. a time as this. We bless you to realize your future is brighter than your past. And we bless you to wake up speak up and show up. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Flyover Conservatives podcast with David and Stacey Whited. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment below. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast, share with those who came to mind. Be blessed and make it a great day. Yeah.